And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever the case may be on this rotating globe, welcome to another edition live tonight. God's willing and the creek don't rise, as Tennessee Ernie used to say. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn where, well, almost anything can happen. Um, things are still happening from last night's show. We had a really, really fascinating, amazing show with Russell Targ discussing this still-fledgling science of remote viewing and associated hyperdimensional paranormal, I don't like that term, um, events, eventualities, occurrences, instances, uh, transpirations. I could go on, but I won't. Um, We're going to be doing more of that in the future. In fact, uh, in the somewhat middle ground, we're going to do a whole show on psychic archaeology, which is an incredibly interesting field. And we're going to have the pioneer, Dr. Stephen Schwartz, uh, again, you know, relying on Tennessee Ernie Ford <laughs> to come before the microphones. You know, the, the amazing thing that uh, the technology has now given us is that uh, nobody anywhere on Earth, or actually even off Earth, <clears throat> depending upon where you are, is beyond the reach of uh, communication. So no matter where people are on the planet, you can, if they're willing, uh, you can reach them and you can get them on the air and you know, people all over the planet can hear them that could never even imagine such a concept just even a few years ago. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to forecast, finish the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, as to what might happen in 2023. This is part two of Things to Come. One of my favorite movies, by the way, with Raymond Massey, uh, Wherever you are, on whatever uh, stream or movie channel or you know, archive you are part of, and most are part of more than one, try to find it when it runs or to go and look at it uh, in its full-length form. It's a very interesting film. And uh, one of my film colleagues, because we talk about films quite often behind the scenes, uh, Robert Morningstar, uh, if he gets back in time, he's actually doing a bit of business tonight at midnight in Manhattan. It's nice to know that there is a life after sunset in Manhattan. So he'll be joining us sometime around the second hour. Uh, we have a full plate. We have a lot of our, our regulars. We call them the enterprise family because that's kind of how we interact with each other. And you know how families interact. So just use your imagination. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the lineup is going to be. I think we're going to bring Barbara up first because she has the most cogent and kind of time-critical relevant information of things that have happened recently in the not-too-distant past that are going to impact the not-too-distant future. So we'll go there. For you, those of you who are new to the show, you want to go to the other side of midnight.com. You want to click on tonight's banner, which says, with that beautiful color shot from Of Things to Come, the 1930s feature-length film, uh, where it says of things to come with part two. You want to click on that. That will take you to the guest page. And right under the same banner on the guest page, there's in big red, red, big yellow letters, it says to listen to the show. And under that, it says in white, fast links to items. Click on my name. That will take you down 
to the section of the page where we have items. Uh, item number one, heard, if you were part of last night's show, um, the cause celeb of the last 72 hours is this bizarre, quote, Chinese spy balloon that yesterday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, East Coast time at 2.39 p.m. Why is that important? Well, you divide 39 by 2, and what do you get? 19.5. Oh, my gosh. Um, The spy balloon was finally, by the U.S. military, uh, shot down, and currently Navy divers are recovering it seven tetrahedral miles offshore off uh, Myrtle Beach uh, in the uh, shallows of the continental shelf, seven tetrahedral spins, you know, two, 19.5, seven tetrahedral spins in, wait for it, 47 feet of water. Gosh, you know, 19.5 is really 19.47. How much more Dickinsonian information can the Pentagon give out about what they suspect this, quote, Chinese spy balloon was really up to? So we're going to talk about that among ourselves tonight. Um, And there are some pretty interesting, shall we say, non-mainstream, out-of-the-box ideas for what could really be going on, starting with item number one. Guess what, boys and girls? It turns out this has happened before, at least three times during the preceding years of the Trump administration. And, oh, guess what? Those really trigger-happy Republicans who were all over President Biden for not shooting this thing down before it crossed the Aleutian Islands, i.e. Alaska, they did what with these previous Chinese incursions into U.S. airspace? They did nothing. They did exactly the same thing that the Biden administration did. Now, we don't know why. That's going to be part of our discussion But they did exactly the same thing. And oh, by the way, there apparently during the early couple years of the Biden years, um, there was in year one another incursion, which makes what? Three, four, five times that the, quote, Chinese, again, I want to be convinced about that, have sent something like this into American airspace over Guam, over Hawaii, um, and I forget where else. And we have apparently, I really want to underscore that, we apparently, but did we really do nothing? Anyway, that's part of our discussion, because frankly, that comes under the category of, would you believe this if you read it in a novel? I mean, once, what was that that Bush said? Once shame on me, twice shame on, then you you forever live in, in other words, he mangled uh, the uh, interesting cliched quote. So, but we've got five instances here of events which, to the superficial public mind, apparently make no sense. So that means we have to dig a little deeper. There must be something else going on. So we'll talk about that tonight. And uh, anyway, that's item number one. Frankly, a lot more interesting and a lot more, and I don't want to use the term and kind of overreact, but a lot more, and I'll use it very provisedly, threatening is item number two, which is a major Newsweek piece published a 
couple weeks ago, and it wasn't time to talk about it then. It is time tonight, following this week of the spy balloon hysteria. Inside China's plans to conquer space. This is a very comprehensive overview of what China's doing vis-a-vis the moon. Now, why is this important? Well, as you know, last Sunday night, we laid out the most conclusive, confirming, absolutely irrefutable proof that the moon is covered with extraordinary ultra-high-tech advanced glass technology, i.e. the multi-layered dome. And once that has been confirmed by none other than the unmanned South Korean mission, the Denuri mission, which is now in orbit and has given us exactly four completely nondescript, completely you could have seen them any day of the week over the last 50 years photographs of the moon, of the earth, I'm sorry, seen from the moon. And in black and white, not in color, I mean, we got better images back from lunar orbiter back in 1966. So what's going on with that? Well, what's going on with that is that we have two tiers of information. We have the public sphere, where they're basically treating us like, um, you know, mushrooms in the dark and fed a lot of BS. And then there's the background story, the real stuff, the real deep multiple levels below the water of the iceberg where the truth is to be found. The Chinese, obviously, from what they have published and what I have tracked and presented on this show over many years, they know exactly what's waiting for humanity on the moon, including the stunning possibilities for finding pristine examples in underground archives or libraries or storerooms or whatever, preserved against meteor erosion and impact in essentially a vacuum so they're in pristine condition. So all you have to do is pick them up, bring them home, and turn them on. So there's all kinds of astonishing advances in physics and technology and energy, information transmission, and gosh, even hyperdimensional connection to beings who are no longer here. In fact, I spent a lot of time toward the end of the hour that I uh, spent last week taping a show for Howard Hughes. He's my uh, British colleague who's been with the BBC and ITV and is now working for Rupert Murdoch and Sky News. Uh, Howard has a radio show called The Unexplained and a television show, which is spun off, which is apparently gaining really good numbers on Sunday nights um, like tonight um, uh, on television on Sky News. It airs a few hours before we go on the air. So we taped about an hour of radio, and um, he sent me a link. And so at the top of the homepage, Cynthia has nicely posted a banner with a link directly to the hour that I spent with Howard discussing these latest astonishing and so overwhelmingly um, enjoyable confirmations vis-a-vis what I have said is on the moon for decades and now we've got the south koreans confirming it now we have a means for human beings all over the world with basically cell phone smartphone technology and cameras to confirm it and we'll get into the details of that much much in more uh, detail and amplitude later in succeeding shows 
We might touch a bit upon that tonight, or we might not. Um, it might come to fruition where the nine artists that Elon Musk has gathered with the aid of his Japanese billionaire friend, who are going to the moon for a three-day circumlunar orbit every two hours in a, uh, in a version, a human-rated version of the Starship, they may actually get there by the end of 2023, which would definitely put that at the end of the runway of our projections of what might be happening tonight. Anyway, that's uh, all to be considered when you read item number two, because everything I've just said, the Chinese full well know they are going their previous missions to limb out in great detail. Why I think they are privy to all of the extraterrestrial implications of the science and technology that's waiting for whoever first comes to the moon with the appropriate understanding and technological abilities to bring the bacon home, to bring home the stunning advances in science and technology that are literally just a quarter million miles away and available to our current very, very primitive space technology. And so there is a race a new space race between the Chinese and their sphere of influence and the United States and its sphere of influence and none other than Bill Nelson. Senator Bill Nelson, currently the head of NASA, has publicly voiced that this is where the new space race lies and we had better win. Now, I know I've said on the show that getting to the moon is going to unify humankind like nothing else has and it certainly has a potential but not if it's in the wrong hands and they forbid and back that up with with weaponry the the rights of anybody else to drop in and bring home samples and democratize it on their own that's why we must be first to get there to understand what we're seeing and to bring the spoils back to humanity on planet Earth, and then make it all public. Remember, this only works if it's all made public. So, how do the balloons fit in? Well, we'll leave that for the rest of the morning to kind of consider and discuss. Item number three. Um, Speaking of democratization, there is this really interesting kind of of one-of-a-kind in recent years, green comet which is moving through the skies of Earth in the um, circumpolar constellation realm. If you're in the northern hemisphere, go out before dawn. I would recommend a couple hours and look uh, in the direction of northeast. Look somewhere between the pole star Polaris and the bright red planet Mars, which is rising in the dawn. And um, it's tonight it's the 5th of February. So you can see there from that little graphic, that little graphic on your phone, go outside, match it to the sky, and bingo, there's the comet. Now, if you're in a city, it's kind of forlorn. You're going to need binoculars. If you're like I am in the country, you may have an even shot of seeing it with your naked eye. Binoculars, again, will help. And I'm looking forward to the uh, amazing video that will be shot from the space station, just like it was a couple years ago of another comet that appeared in the pre-dawn skies. And I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen a video 
from upstairs of this comet uh, C2022-E3 parentheses ZTF, better known as Comet ZTF, which stands for the Zwicky uh, facility there on Mount Palomar, which first photographed it. Leading us to item number four. Now, we've talked a lot about going to the moon to gain access to extraordinary new technologies, breakthrough technologies. Well, this one was brought to my attention by none other than our own Keith Morgan. So, Keith, I might actually set up a whole section of The Other Side of Midnight where maybe weekly Keith does an update on all the breakthrough technologies that are quietly being produced in laboratories and corporations and government facilities that you never kind of hear about. So, Keith, since you're the one that led me to this, talk about what is in item number four. Okay. Um, Right now, we're in a technological revolution. Everybody is vying for the next step in battery technology. And the guy who gave us the uh, lithium-ion battery, and is honest to God, his name is John B. Goodenough. (laughs) And he's, what, 97 or something? Yeah. Yeah, he's teaching was teaching at Austin University, and him and um, this lady uh, Maria Barra, they got their heads together and they came up with the quantum glass battery. Um, people are saying, oh, these companies that are making these solid state batteries, they're known as quantum glass batteries. No, there's only one quantum glass battery, and they came up with it. This battery set the the bar that they're trying to reach, but they don't really want to get there because this bo- this battery is virtually uh, forever battery is what um, Elon Musk calls it because the more you charge and discharge it, the better it gets. And when you've got like maybe uh, 3,000 or 4,000 cycles before conventional batteries, start, rechargeable batteries start to degrade, this battery, the more you charge and discharge it, the better it gets. And they've calculated 150,000 plus cycles. It also charges up to maximum in 60 seconds. So this this guy that they've come up with, the quantum glass battery, has set the bar for what they have to reach. And with that kind of storage, your electric car, can, instead of going 300 miles on a single charge, can go 900 to 1,200 miles on a single charge and still charge back up to maximum in 60 seconds. So these guys don't really want this because they want to sell batteries and they want to sell cars and parts and stuff like that. No, those days are over. We're moving on to the next generation technologies that are going to revolutionize everything. And this guy named Assad, Professor Assad, in uh, uh, the Institute, uh, Illinois Institute of uh, Technology, he's come up with a new battery. It's a solid-state battery, and solid-state batteries have the, the ability to be safe. You can punch holes in them, shoot bullets through them, you can cut sections off of them, and they're still producing electricity, but they don't catch fire, they don't explode, and they don't burn up. So they're, they're much, much safer. Assad has come up with a uh, solid-state battery that's using a ceramic and a polymer combination as the electrolyte, whereas each one of them alone cannot produce the kind of uh, characteristics that he's getting with his battery, where he's got a kilowatt per hour from one kilogram of material. 
and a kilogram of material is like 2.2 pounds, and a kilowatt is a thousand watts for an hour, and that's unheard of right now. So his battery is going to set another benchmark that these guys have to match. Samsung, Toyota, uh, Nissan, uh, and um, who is and uh, Sam, Samsung, Panasonic, and Toyota. They're all come vying for these uh, solid-state batteries, and they're working hard to do this. This kind of technology could have been here a long time ago, but a lot of this stuff got suppressed, and we're now just seeing these things come to the surface. And Well, primarily, I would say, because of Elon Musk. Since he made Tesla the commercial success it is, and there's all kinds of imitators by the big three and the big five and the Japanese companies, the, 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 the limiting range of an electric car is the damn battery. This breakthrough in battery technology is going to explode the way you really counteract global warming, which is to replace fossil fuels on the road with electrons. And this is where we're headed. This technologies and, and the theories that they kept saying, you can't, you can't, you can't, they're going by the wayside. They said you can't, the, you can't separate the hydrogen and oxygen and water because the amount of energy you use to separate the hydrogen and oxygen is the same as what you get when you combine it back together, so you're not getting anything. <laughs> That's the lie. Right? There's a company called HiSada. They have a technique to, to get hydrogen from natural gas, and the byproduct you get when you do that is you get carbon dioxide and you get the hydrogen. But it's 93% e- efficient in terms of separating this stuff. That's supposed to be totally impossible. Well, if you can do that with natural gas, don't you think you can do this with water? Which is what Stan Myers was doing. So we're seeing this, this whole revolution that should have been here 20 years ago, but everything got suppressed. Stan Myers was killed off or poisoned because his technology would allow you to replace your spark plugs and it would cost $1,500 to retrofit your car to run on water. And that's what they didn't want out there. Okay, so, now you see why it may be time, boys and girls, to bring Keith on like once a week to a summary of where we are and where these breakthroughs are politically and economically and in terms of Wall Street, et cetera. Hey, thank you so much, Keith. It's uh, tell you what, I'm going to take a little break here. This is just so cool. And when we come back, we're going to, do, we're going to introduce Barbara Honiger, who has a wide range of things to talk about tonight, beginning with the Supreme Court. We shall return.
Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, on the 5th of February, 2023. I will bet that Barbara Honiger has never had an intro of the Bond theme spy, you know, musical that's kind of a backdrop to probably the first thing that uh, we both want to talk about. Let me give you just a little thumbnail sketch. Barbara has an extraordinarily interesting and diversified and important political career in Washington, she served in a high-level government position, including the White House policy analyst, special assistant to the president for domestic policy, director of the attorney general's law review at the Department of Justice, and for more than a decade was the senior military affairs journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School, the premier science, technology, and national security affairs graduate research university of the Department of Defense. And in the last year or so, she's been appointed co-chairman of the board and investigative researcher with the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. And since September 11th, she's been a leading author, documentarian, public speaker, and major activist on the events of 9-11 with emphasis on the Pentagon and anthrax attacks. So without further ado, Barbara, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, having faith that I know what's going to happen in 2023, but I actually don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, none of us know, but what we're supposed to do is use our best spidey sense and try to scope out what might. It's all probabilities, you know, and the one thing that was on nobody's radar is this Chinese balloon insanity. What the heck is going on from your perspective? Yeah, I'd like to start with that, actually. Uh, How did I know? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, um, if folks could go to, uh, your audience could go to my items. I think they're right after your items, Richard. Yep. And you can go to my number five. Um, I want to start out by just pointing out, I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention it um, on the show last night, which was a great show, by the way, with Robert Morningstar and... and, um, uh, is it Lori Williams? Lori Williams. Yeah. That and, was and, and, and John Womack, who was with us tonight again. And John, 
that was just a great show. I was going to call in in the third hour, but it was also important. I didn't want to interrupt. So um, anyway, I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention this before. But, you know, that balloon looks a lot like the moon. And um, what, are, what have you been focusing on for years? But um, artificial structures on the moon, this thing just looks like an artificial moon in the sky. Of course, that's not what it is. But I find it fascinating that it came over the sovereign territory of the United States during the period of the full moon. Now, I don't know if it's literally full, but I think it is, or almost. <laughs> Andrew um, just sent me a note. Bingo! <laughs> yeah, bingo. I mean, really. Well, uh, look, remember, it's a far eastern culture, not just nations, which has now verified the most extraordinary, amazing, ultra-sophisticated Arthur C. Clarke, any sufficiently advanced technology is magic discovery, which is our insistence. There are ancient, multi-leveled, tens of miles high glass domes around the moon, and they're cousins to the Chinese. So are the Chinese in their best Emily Dickinsonian fashion. And you saw this. I did not see it, you know, until you pointed it out. Were they visually trying to communicate at a higher level this is what's going to happen this is what's important and because there's no real practical use for balloon no. technology is spy technology anymore none no, none zero little advantage and a huge disadvantage to them for doing this um they have they have spy satellites that are you know not considered uh, a violation of the sovereignty of another country <clears throat> And one of the big questions that's been asked in the mainstream media and alternative media is why now? Um, I have a few comments I'd like to make about this balloon. Okay, the first one is there was something about this that made me feel like maybe this is has something similar to what really happened behind the Cuban Missile Crisis. And what do I mean by that? Mm. What I mean by that is Many people don't know, unless you've studied it carefully, that uh, the Soviets withdrew. The, the reason the Soviets put the missiles in Cuba was because we had ours in northern Turkey aimed at Moscow. Yep. And the quid pro quo was we would remove ours or point them away from, uh, from Russia and the Soviet Union in northern Turkey. Uh, if they would remove theirs from Cuba. Yeah, this so, became the second answer. Remember, Khrushchev sent two letters, one that was yeah. very aggressive and the other one, which was the earlier one, which was much more open. And Kennedy said, well, we'll just answer the first letter. And in that one, it was the quid pro quo quietly, like not right away, but the Soviets withdraw from Cuba. And then in the next year or so, we quietly withdraw the Thor missiles from Turkey that were aimed at Moscow and threatening exactly. the homeland. Okay, so I want to move on and point out, um, and if you'd like, I can send the link to the article to add to my items. <laughs> but it turns out, it turns out that um, here is an article: uh, Chinese Defense Ministry spokesman uh, pointed out that uh, in 2019, Chinese jet fighters use their missiles to shoot down a foreign nation's high-altitude reconnaissance balloon over China's Yunnan province. Well, they don't name the foreign nation, but you can probably guess it was us, okay? 
Um, so this, it just reminds me of a kind of quid pro quo type of thing um, that the Chinese were wanting um, Blinken, our Secretary of, De- Secretary of State, to go over there and to say, look, we'll stop it if you stop it. That's what my intuition tells me is going on here. Hmm. Now, there's another possibility that hasn't been mentioned by anyone else, and it's because of my very in-depth knowledge of 9-11 and the fact that the evidence is overwhelming that at least the first three of the four planes on 9-11 were taken over by remote control technology uh, to hijack the hijackers, as you will, and land or crash the planes without the pilots having control. So it occurred to me that... Um, and there's another article that I could send to Keith to post. Uh, in fact, I just have. Uh, and it's an article by the BBC said, could the China's balloon have actually been blown off course like Beijing claims? And um, they have used wind speed and weather data um, to track the the likely position. Wait, wait, who, who, who has done this? Who's tried to track the it? BBC, the BBC. BBC, okay, okay. BBC using scientific uh, sources. Because we have global weather data now from satellites, so we should be able to reconstruct its trajectory all the way from where it started to where it ended. Right. So the bottom line of, of this analysis is, is they could be they could be correct that the weather balloon wasn't intended to come over the United States. So it occurred to me, what if we have a backdoor in uh, some kind of chip? such that we can take over their weather balloon mm. and cause the embarrassing incident to our geopolitical advantage. See, last night I argued that the reason we didn't shoot it down, despite all the hysteria from the from the right, and it's so amusing now that you know this happened three times under the Trump yeah, guy. I know. It's absurd. Come on. You know, Kabuki <laughs> theater. It's all Kabuki theater. But yeah. the reason I said last night, if you heard that part of the show, is we learned so much by having it drift quietly and try to send information home because that gives us a digital window into their codes, their strings, their redundancies. We can enter, you know, uh, stealth programs through the same channel. In other words, we got an extraordinary amount of free intel by watching them try to either control it or send information home or both by just watching it drift, because there's nothing it could see that they haven't already seen a million times. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Except uh, I have read that uh, you can get higher resolution images. But see, everybody's focused on images. It's not about images. You know, given that we have things we keep secret, we hide them from satellites, which are predictable. One thing about balloons is unless you know it's coming, and of course with this we've known the inside guys knew for like a week, you know, this was crossing the Pacific and entering the right jet stream and it was going to go here and then go there, you know, predictive weather forecast. So this was yeah. not a surprise. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think the map in the article from the BBC that I just sent to Keith to add to the bottom of my items for tonight's show, it shows the path. It was about an eight day journey of this balloon from China to when it was shot down. And that's um, all. I thought it was yeah, I thought it was like eight days to get here, and then it took another week to cross the country. Oh, that's possible. I just read it was an eight day journey recently, so you might be right about that. But anyway, my point is is that it appears possible 
that the trajectory could have been taken over by us, mm-hmm. just like uh, the planes uh, on 9-11 were taken over by remote control. Oh, see, why would we make an incident when Blinken was going to go unless this is part of a 3D chess strategy to force the Chinese into an agreement like back with Khrushchev and Kennedy, we'll, we'll both agree we're not going to do this again. Well, when they, I've also read that the reason that they wanted to wait to shoot it down over off of the Carolinas is because you're more likely to, um, to obtain, uh, to recover uh, more of the expected surveillance pod, they call it, uh, than if it crashed onto the ground. Um, so um, depending upon what is found in that, of course, our side can just claim that there was surveillance technology, even if there wasn't. Um, so it seems to me that one of the reasons for the why now is that we may have taken advantage of this in order to gain uh, geopolitical leverage when Blinken does go to China to mm. meet with Zeke. Because he just said he was postponing the trip. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hasn't been canceled. No, just postponed. Yeah, just postponed. Oh, what so a tangled web we weave. When first we practice to deceive, which only oh. goes to show we need more practice. <laughs> okay. John 8:32. Yes, shall know yes. The, the truth shall free you. Yeah, okay. So that's, uh, unless you have other questions, that's what I wanted to mention about. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. There, the, I want to talk about some of these out. Of outrageous out-of-the-box theories about what this might be at a deeper level, but I want to wait till we bring John on yeah. because I have a really cool idea and uh, I, I just think he should be part of the conversation when oh, we get absolutely. there. Absolutely. Also, I, I believe that Robert Morningstar is an expert on China. Uh, so yes, have- and he will be joining us in the second hour, so we'll just belay the out-of-the-box yeah. thinking. Um, I do want to say one thing, and I need to do this to correct my soul, because back when the um, 9-11 happened, Robin was absolutely adamant that this had been done by taking these planes over with remote electronic control. And like an idiot, I kept arguing against it. Um, And she turns out, you know, from a lot of data that you know and I know and all that, this has been totally possible back at that time and I just want to give her credit on the air that she saw this, you know, and I didn't. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> yes, well. Well, remember, Robert, she's uh, in constant touch. She just left me another artifact in the infamous hall with the green carpet. And I'm trying to figure out what it means because she can only send things that have symbolic meaning. It's like they have to little, have little bits of packet data. So it's all wrapped up in the thing. And she sent two items earlier in the week that uh, Georgia and I talked about when they happened earlier in the week. This one is a real mystery, and I'm going to have to maybe sleep on it to figure out what she's trying to say. But the fact that something appeared and then you say that she was right without knowing that she'd even said that. And she was, you know, I, I, I can be very adamant when I think I'm right. So in this case, oh, I was. Oh yes, you I was... are. You are absolutely like a brick wall. <laughs> well, not that impermeable. That's <laughs> so... that's kind of archaic. Maybe a maybe a force level five force field or something. Anyway, um, so let's move to the Supreme Court yeah. and the lawyers' committee because there's new news on that front. 
Yeah, and and uh, that's and then there are a few other of my items that will uh, trigger what I wanted to say also in my in my segment here. Okay, so just briefly on the Supreme Court, um, which is of course um, I, um, in your intro as myself, you had me as the co board director of the Lawyers Committee for Nine Eleven Inquiry. I'm actually the chairman of the board now. Oh, you're the soul, you're the queen of the walk. Okay, I am the matriarch. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a nicer queen. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a nicer matriarch. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, the the lawyers committee. The, the big question is uh, in this coming year, from the posi- from the point of view of of. Well, you need to tell what happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will. I'm about to. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. The um, the big question um, from the point of view of the lawyers committee for 9/11 inquiry and the whole 9/11 truth movement which of course is still going worldwide, um, is what if anything is going to happen in terms of a breakthrough that we've been hoping for for over 21 years now. So what, what the Lawyers Committee has done most recently is our biggest case, we have many legal irons in the fire with many different U.S. attorneys in New York, in D.C., in Congress, petitions to Congress, etc. But our first and major case, which has been going on since we filed it in April of 2018, is with the U.S. attorney for the second district, um, federal district court, which is in Manhattan, the jurisdiction of the World Trade Center attacks on 9-11. And What we've been trying to do is to simply get the U.S. attorney to present our petition and our evidentiary exhibits, which prove that World Trade Centers 1, 2, the two towers and 7, World Trade Center 7, were brought down by pre-placed explosives and incendiaries in controlled demolitions. In the case of the World Trade Center towers, explosive controlled demolitions. In the case of World Trade Center 7, classic gravity-driven straight down into its own footprint controlled demolition. And believe it or not, we got all the way to the um, to this appeals court, and the appeals court said, I'm sorry, you don't have standing to even bring this case. You don't have standing even our plaintiffs who lost their loved ones in World Trade Center 1 on 9-11, even the first responders and their families who lost their loved ones uh, from cancer, lung cancers and such, working in the pit as first responders. You don't have standing. If 9-11 family members and survivors of victims do not have standing who does. So we went to the Supreme Court. We went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court declined to hear our case early December. I think it was December 5th. They declined to hear our case, which just bumped it back to the level of the appeals court. So as of now, that uh, ruling applies just to the courts in the Second Circuit, which, of course, includes Manhattan. So the Lawyers Committee, we are going back to the drawing board, and we, uh, this coming Wednesday, we're holding our next board meeting, of which I'm the chairman of the board, and we have before us about 10 options of what to do next as Plan B, and um, I, I can't go into Which, of course, those. you can't tell us, yes. Well, I can't, I can't give you all the options, but I can tell you that we will be doing something and we're not going to give up. Um, and we are almost likely going to go to 
the most likely option that we will vote on, um, which hasn't happened yet, of course, is that um, in our original filing way back in April of 2018, one of one of the actions that we asked the uh, the court to do was to have the judge himself order the U.S. attorney in the Second Circuit to present our petition and evidentiary exhibits to a sitting criminal grand jury, special criminal grand jury. And they, they never even addressed that. So we're going to go back and address that. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. So we're not going to give up. Um, and we're going to be um, having a number of uh, other uh, legal actions that we'll be able to announce probably uh, at a, the next time I'm on your show. So where is the 9-11 truth movement now? The other thing that people should know is that the alleged mastermind and his alleged co-conspirators, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, they're called the 9-11-5 defendants who have been in Guantanamo for years, I think since 20, uh, 2006. And um, they, they haven't even had their evidentiary hearings yet because their testimony was taken under massive um, torture in these CIA black sites, which has prevented this whole thing from going forward. So what the Biden administration is right now trying to do, fascinating, they're trying to get the attorneys for the 9-11-5. This would be the only court case directly related to 9-11 ever held, if it goes forward in the military tribunals in Guantanamo, the Biden administration is trying to get their attorneys to get the 9-11-5 to agree to plead guilty to doing the 9-11 attacks in exchange for not being executed. But, of course, they want to be executed. They want to be martyred. So this is almost certainly not going to happen. And... Because we have overwhelming evidence, as Robin told you all those years ago, that the planes were taken over with hijacking the hijackers' tech, remote control technology. Um, the, the alleged hijackers, if they were on the planes at all, did not do the deed. So at the well, moment, one of the ways that we have a clue now is I actually have an inside engineer who gave me some technical background a couple, three years ago, which uh, buttressed uh, Robin's argument. And that when you look at the video, the fact that they were so extraordinarily perfectly flown into the, it's really hard to hit a building with an airplane at that low level because they're very skittish. Airplanes of that caliber are, I mean, I actually uh, flew partly a 707 chasing the clips many years ago and I had the damnedest problem just keeping it level because it wanted to go up and down and I would overcorrect. You know, so doing this manually, uh, and of course I didn't have the expertise for autopilots, it always struck me as a, almost a miracle that they hit anything. And now, of course, uh, uh, your data and my engineer friend uh, kind of coincide. And again, Robin was right. Yeah, well, there are at least two. Um, pilots who flew for American Airlines, who flew the actual alleged Pentagon plane flight 77, who said no pilot could physically have done it in the pilot seat. Because, be, because being so low in the ground effect and all that at, at the yeah, Pentagon. From the, and the alleged seat, according to the official story. It's just physically impossible. Hmm. Uh, and there were multiple pilots 
um, who flew American Airlines 757s, which is what Flight 77 was, right. um, flown them in simulators, and they couldn't even do it in a simulator. Okay. M- multiple times they couldn't do it in a simulator. So anyway, the bottom line is the Biden administration is trying to get these guys to plead guilty to something they not only didn't do but couldn't have done. So is this another level of the cover story, or are we just dealing with dumb prosecutors? Well, we're dealing with we're we're dealing with effectively the fear of the government of the success of what our nine eleven truth movement has been able to bring forward to. But they but they don't have to be in on it. They can just be dumb, you know, following orders. Who are you talking about? The prosecutors. Well, the the pros. The prosecutors are following the guidance of the Justice Department and the White right, House. Right, right. And, and at, what level, at what level is it just blind guidance, and at what level do they know? See, that's always oh, the question. Who knows what? Are you kidding? We've sued, we've sued in federal court in Manhattan. Yeah, but it doesn't mean they believe you. You know, it, no, it, 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 they believe us. Our evidence is dispositive. It is absolute proof. That's the real reason they won't let us in the courthouse door yet. It's because we have the proof. Okay. We just everybody who has any question about that, including yourself, go to our website, which is the Lawyers Committee website. L as in Larry, C as in Charlie, four F O R nine one one dot org. That's L C F O R nine one one dot org. And right at the top in the horizontal menu across the top in the little gold type um, is uh, a pull-down menus where you will be able to see every single one of our filings, including our World Trade Center 1, 2, and 7 petition and evidentiary exhibits. See it for yourself. Yeah, that that link is, by the way, posted very prominently right next to your picture in your bio. So just click on Barbara's bio or it says fast links to bios right there at the top website, L, capital L, capital C, for dot org. Right. So the bottom line in terms of the 9-11 truth movement is because the 9-11-5s attorneys, in my opinion, they know what we've done, they're never going to uh, agree to this, um, this plea deal that the Biden administration, Justice Department, and the Guantanamo prosecutors are trying to get them to plead guilty. They're not going to plead guilty, in my opinion. So that's going nowhere, which makes our lawyers committee the only real game in town. Hmm. So the next thing I wanted to mention, uh, just a comment about last night's program. When, um, let's see, who was it? Um, we were talking about the, oh, yeah. It was John uh, Jonathan Womack. Is Jonathan on tonight? Yeah, John's on. Oh, oh, good. Well, maybe he's listening. So maybe you can comment on this. Um, I wanted to call in in the third hour, but I knew I'd be doing this tonight, and I was hoping he'd be on. So good that he is. Um, my number six item, are 9-11 souls being reincarnated? Nine, it should have read our 9-11 victims' souls being reincarnated ah. as children. And these are some amazing stories that people really need to read. Um, last night, Jonathan Womack was talking about a few of the, of the guests were talking about their 9-11 experiences. And Jonathan mentioned that he goes out of body um, at every one of the 9-11 uh, anniversary events at Ground Zero. And um, I can't remember which year he said, but it was recently that he went there and for the first time, all of the souls 
of the deceased, of the victims of the World Trade Center attacks and the planes there, the two planes there um, were uh, were no longer uh, held to earth, that they that they had gone on and that there was and that he said ground zero is now clear it's now spiritually clear and there was a sense of love and light when he went for the first time and i find it fascinating um that the other side of that coin is some of these souls are apparently coming back these are very compelling reincarnation stories that people should read so that's my that's my number six wow which ties in with last night's program. Well, when, when John comes on, which will be in the next hour, we'll, we'll obviously incorporate this into the conversation. Yeah. yeah. This is okay. cool. Very well, um, cool. All right. A couple of other things. And then I know we have about six and a half minutes to the top of the hour, so I can complete them. Um, the other two big things for this year, or three big things, um, there's, all, there's obviously Ukraine. Now, my number four, I think it's really important for people to understand. You just need to read this article um, but and some others. But uh, Zelensky happens to be a Jewish person. He happens to be a radical Zionist. Most people don't know that. Um, Israel just yesterday, it's in, or two days ago, it's in yesterday's paper, actually, New York Times. Um, Israel has been today's news also online. Israel has finally agreed uh to uh, Macron, the president of, of France, went over and talked uh, Netanyahu into <clears throat> finally agreeing <laughs> to allow Israel to send military equipment to Ukraine. And <clears throat> they've been holding back. Do you, do you have water, dear? Do you need to drink some water? No, no I'm okay now. Okay. I'm okay. Um, I would if I needed it. Um, tell me if I sound like I need it. <laughs> <laughs> you better know that I, I never do this show without a nice big glass of ice water sitting here because it strikes at the weirdest times. Like last night, I could barely talk at one point. So, Well, I noticed that, and then all of your power went out at the end, too. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just took a swig of water out of my water bottle. So, so <clears throat> Zelensky said this amazing thing. Ukraine will become greater Israel. Well, I can't go into the details here, but people need to Google the link between what's called Khazaria and Ukraine. Because the Khazarian Jews uh, are, were the vast majority of the Jews in the Holocaust, but they're also, if I understand correctly, the majority of Jews in Israel today, Israeli citizens. And their homeland was in what is now Ukraine. So for Zelensky, who happens to be Jewish, to say Ukraine will become the greater Israel when we succeed against Russia, that's really critical. You need to look into that very ancient history. I think it goes back to like the 800s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing I wanted to cover is what's happening, God help us, in, in Washington, in the Congress. So I want to go to my item number 1A, and this is a very important uh, article. Uh, I think it's called Kevin McCarthy, a divided GOP, meaning the Republican Party, and the curse of January 6th. And when you uh, open that, you click on the article. I'm just going to read a little bit of the text. Yeah, there's actually a typo because the, the title is, is there twice. 
Keith, if you can yeah, fix that. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not not a big deal. It doesn't really neat. But Kevin McCarthy, a divided GOP in the curse of January 6th from the Washington Post. There are 175 and by the way, if you if you click on that um, on the uh, on the uh, photographs and when it opens up, make it larger on your screen and you will see that I've added blood on his hand taking the oath. I see that. Yes. I've added that. I had that done. And the reason is what's in the text. There are 175 House Republicans who in one way or or another have embraced Trump's claims that he won the 2020 election, which led, of course, uh, to the riots at the Capitol on January 6th and the death of now over five people Um, and the uh, injury of over 150, I believe, and and the, um, the arrests. Uh, indictments of almost a thousand now. Some of the central players in the battle for the House Speaker were in the thick of the efforts to overturn the election, which is a documented in the final report of the January 6th Committee of Congress. Um, so uh, just read this and, and you will see that uh, the people who have taken over the House of Representatives are effectively the masterminds along with Trump, behind January 6th. So, you know, we, we have, a, we have, there's trouble in, there's big trouble in Potomac City. Hmm. There's big trouble in Potomac City. Um, number 1B in my items is Kevin McCarthy. This is a wonderful clip. Um, one of our 9-11 truth people some years ago confronted a much younger Kevin McCarthy when he was, you know, just a starting out representative. Um, and uh, confronted him, uh, 9-11 Truth activists confronted him. So people will find it interesting to see um, what he was told and therefore what he knows. That's very interesting. Um, And then I guess, um, yeah, so I guess the last thing, unless you want to hold it for, you know, a serious part of the program, program when we talk about our fundraising campaign with the Alan Bean uh, painting prints. Well, let me tell you what I'm looking at the arc of tonight, because remember, it's all about storytelling. I want to bring Marvin Jones on to talk about the one real serious crisis that uh, the weakest speaker in the history of the House, uh, McCarthy, might lead us into, which is default on the uh, debt oh. limit. And he's yeah, got some go, go crucial background. And then you guys can talk about that because he's got some additional perspectives. And I've done a little digging into the Constitution and what the Republicans are proposing is absolutely against the Constitution. In fact, I think the whole debt limit legislation, which vetoes the uh, uh, you know U.S. paying its debts, I think is frankly illegal and unconstitutional. And we'll get into all of that. My guest this morning to start off is Barbara Honiger, and we're bringing on our citizen historian Marvin Jones when we return. You're on the other side of midnight. Don't touch that dial. Things are going to get really interesting as we get into the wee hours of the morning with the backdrop of this very bizarre Chinese spy balloon. Come on.
the other side is midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Support the broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side is midnight.com. This is kind of an homage to uh, to Robin. Welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, February 5th. We're having a really interesting program looking at what might be coming in 2023. And, of course, the past is prologue, so let us uh, think in terms of what has already happened and what this might be a harbinger of in terms of things to come. So I want to introduce John Womack. John is, of course, uh, uh, our kind of resident expert in out-of-body and uh, unusual uh, things that go bump in the night. Um, his, uh, his background is really interesting in that he has been a uh, out-of-body experiencer for many, many years, it began when he was a very young child um, and has continued. And he kind of is a hyperdimensional warrior. In fact, the, um, the uh, banner for last night's show, Ghost Warrior, we kind of tongue-in-cheek took it from some of his activities. And, of course, he's been involved in, you know, looking beyond the 3D dimensions. And uh, he and I discussed very briefly this afternoon uh, a kind of really outrageous outside-the-box idea for what the Chinese might be up to. So without further ado, John, welcome back to uh, The Other Side of Midnight. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, yes. Okay. 
I think I can hear you. <laughs> there you are. So, um, yeah. continuing with our conversation, um, I, I, are you getting any weird vibes around this? Because it just is, it's like too much, too much, too much to uh, take at face value. Yeah, I haven't paid much attention to it, but you had an interesting theory that they might have an Accutron on board the balloon and they're checking for um, unusual hyperdimensional activities, perhaps in Arches Park. Well, uh, yeah, because I have found, based on, you know, Robert and me running around the world with the Accutron, that the best way that you can survey these sacred sites, these extraordinary power centers on the ley line system that Maria talks about all the time is if you're either right there or if you're flying relatively close kind of within the bubble within the field because at a satellite altitude and I've looked into this with the uh, uh, space station and some other satellites there does seem to be a distance factor where you can literally be too high or you can be moving much too fast and you don't get the confirmation. So for those kind of measurements, a slow flying balloon, which could actually hover carrying the right sensor package would be the thing that you would want to use if in fact you're looking for unusual uh, torsion field signatures or beacons or resonances or some kind of, you know, uh, emission patterns, uh, particularly if you're looking for lost technology from a previous era here on Earth. And we know the Chinese are really, really looking for extraordinary breakthroughs in hyperdimensional physics and technology. How do we know that? Because when they sent Chang 3, which was their third moon lander, uh, I'm sorry, first lander, uh, third moon orbiter mission back uh, many decades ago uh, i'm sorry maybe a decade ago what they did was they sent it into a weird orbit to land in a place called mare imbrium in a kind of a part of the mare in the upper left hand corner of the full moon called sinus iridum the bay of rainbows and remember under all this glass when you stand on the moon courtesy now of uh uh, Alan Bean's paintings that Barbara's going to talk about shortly uh, again. Uh, you see this incredible rainbow sky and it's dappled all over the landscape in multiple colors that Georgia, Georgia Lambert as a fine artist has attested are so incredibly accurate and match now what the imagery and the Apollo photographs have been showing us. So in, in the light of all that, that the Chinese are looking for advanced, ultra-sophisticated ET technology or technology from a previous high-tech era here on Earth, think Gobekli Tepe and before, is it too outside the box to imagine that if you, having done your homework re 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 you know, relating to Utah and Archer's Park, are suspecting there are archives, libraries, you know, halls of records, whatever, hidden in that vast amount of, uh, you know, Western American real estate, is it possible that the Chinese have literally put some kind of sensing technology 
which requires a relatively low-level balloon flight. And all of these balloons that have been making incursions over U.S. territory and the one tonight that's flying apparently over Latin America still and the one that we just shot down off uh, North Carolina, that they're all sharing a secret common purpose that the Chinese are determined to master and to use this extraordinarily advanced technology to assume in their minds their rightful place geopolitically on planet Earth as head of humankind. So, Barbara, John, talk about this, because am I all nuts, or is there something that we should follow up here? Well, you you might be nuts, but yes, there could be something. <laughs> Thank you, John. You know, the Nazis uh, were looking for this kind of power yes, back in yes, the day. Yes, yes, the Abernathy. And, and now we have, America has the most powerful power center uh, on the earth, I believe, with these arches. And isn't it interesting that of all the places in the United States, from Florida to Alaska and Texas to Maine, that they choose, the Department of Energy chooses a spot to store the uh, nuclear cake waste. And they pick a spot inside of a mountain that is across the street from the entrance to Arches Park, and they've been dug into this mountain for 30 years. Oh, my. There's a, yeah, there's a, you know, the railroad... Um, they they put this railroad in there, uh, and it, it comes in one side of the mountain, comes out the other, right by um, Corona Arch. And I'm it just kind of if I dwell on it, it makes me livid. Yes, <laughs> just the vibrations from the train tracks disrupt the. Um, there's a whole thing going on around the arches where this subliminal um, like ultrasound is being emitted by them. And so these kind of uh, the trains and these things interrupt this technology that's going on there. And heck, it could even set up a, um, you know, like when you, a, a diva sings and the glass shatters. I mean, there's that kind of thing going on. Hmm. Resonance, resonance. Well, what's resonance. so peculiar... Richard? Yeah, go ahead. Who's this? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was. Uh, this is Ron. Remember, I can't. I can't message you. Sorry. <laughs> so I couldn't. Couldn't warn you. I know what they're looking for. Hey, what is it? Assuming. Assuming it's the. Uh, if we presume it's the Chinese, which I do, my by the way, uh, from all available evidence, and the fact that they do this on a continuing basis, and the. Uh, last administration didn't happen to get informed by the Pentagon. You left that off your tag there. That the, no, uh, wait, wait, wait. How, uh, do you know this? It's in the New York Times article and it was part of their byline. It said that they were the Biden administration said, or said that they, and he's actually talking about the Obama administration of course, because this is the first time he's been president, uh, had failed to inform them, as, you know, as if it didn't matter. Uh, they didn't inform the Trump uh, administration about it, so nobody else knew uh, except the people in the Pentagon. Wait a minute. You, are, you, you totally confused me because during the four years that President Donald Trump was president, it was his yes. Pentagon. He appointed 
all of the key officials, including the Secretary of Defense. If the Pentagon didn't tell Trump, it has nothing to do with Obama or Biden. It has to do with his own appointees. No, I was simply giving a timestamp. Don't, don't go off on it. That's just but what I'm just saying that whoever you want to say was uh, had that information. They didn't pass it on. And they said so. The current. We're still talking past each other because we're talking about his defense department, not any previous administration. In terms of passing it on, it would have been his secretary of defense who said, hey, Mr. President, we've got Chinese balloons crossing our territory. Should we shoot them down? Right. And nobody asked him. Uh, How do you know nobody asked him? Because the New York Times, which you love so much, article says so. But it doesn't matter. It's a record. People can how say can it matter people, and not matter at the same people, time. People can, people can say anything. Stop getting hot under the collar about Trump. He's just a guy who puts his pants on one leg at a time, like all the rest of us. So well, then what? he is I claiming think... that he was not told. Doesn't make it true. There are records. This government, most governments, all governments. Reread the article. I, I don't care about the article. Reporters get things wrong all the time. I want to see the official records. Now, the good news is. Yes, they may. The good yes, news. The good news is we have a Republican House, Barbara's, you know, shuddering, which has set up a special yes. committee to look at China, which means in yes. front of in front of that House committee. There will come witnesses from the Pentagon, from the Trump era, who will, under pain of law, will have to tell the truth. Otherwise, they will suffer legal repercussions. So this is something that we're going to find out one way or the other. That's all fine. That's all fine. I call. I, I call. I just wanted to tell you what, by my best information, uh, they're looking for. And there's uh, there's potential proof for it if they find the remains of this one uh, that they're looking for off the East Coast. Well, it, well way, if, if I am right, it's not going to be the ordinary kind of spy stuff. It's going to be very interesting technology. I'll tell you what it is. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, it'll be the ground penetrating radar and and analogous things which the Chinese have put a lot of effort into because they're looking for underground bases. They just logically. And I absolutely disagree because if there was penetrating radar emanating from the balloon, we would already know it. You can't have ground penetrating radar without having radar, which means you were sending a high powered signal, radio waves, Mm -hmm. electromagnetism, which can be picked up by all kinds of receivers, and it would not be a secret. We would already know if they were beaming something toward the ground. If, however, Johnson they were just talking if, about those, if, however, if, however, they were looking for hyperdimensional torsion field signals like inertial changes in clocks, like the atomic clocks they're putting, when I say they, you know, officials are putting in orbit around the moon, three of them, one that's sitting in orbit around the moon tonight on capstone that nobody's talking about. That's the kind of sensing technology that I would be looking for to find ultra-sophisticated torsion field technology from either ETs or a previous era of high civilization on Earth, and it doesn't emit any energy. It's merely a sensing technology, and when we bring up the remains of this, you know, Greyhound bus size, three Greyhound bus size 
craft that fell from 60,000 feet into the Atlantic off uh, the coast of Carolina. We will find out if they tell us whether it carries something conventional or something very exotic. And if it does carry something very exotic, I don't think we're ever going to know ever being a kind of a malleable uh, description. Please take a breath. Jonathan, Jonathan, wait a minute. Don't both jump on me. This isn't fair. I didn't call up to argue. I was just... Yes, you did. It's obvious. I didn't. No, you're arguing with me, and I'm not going to take you're it lying calling down, out but I didn't New York, call up to bitch at anything. You're calling I, up the New York Jonathan Times just as being... Richard, please. Please, one thing. It's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Jonathan just mentioned about underground facilities in emitting various sorts of stuff, doing their own ground-penetrating radar or whatever, paraphrase it as well. Jonathan will straighten That's not what he's talking about. doesn't matter if you're emitting signals. It's something that can be detected. And there is virtually passive ground-penetrating equipment. But the point is, I think that's what they're looking for. They do that they would, of course, things like missile silos, where they already know the location, uh, you know, that could, anybody that's ever read a spy novel knows that. Major powers all know where all that stuff is. We publish maps so officially. Anyway. Yes. The yes. USGS yeah. publishes the maps. They only have to do is buy the map. Why not? Yeah, why not? But it's, it's all right. Barbara to, had to say something. That's all I had to say, and Jonathan was talking. I'm sorry. Goodbye. I mean, I'm not hanging up. I'm just going away. Well, I, I just like, I just like to, <laughs> to try to uh, bridge the two of you guys a little bit, and that is, all you have to do is, is acknowledge that Ron was simply quoting the New York Times. That doesn't mean the New York Times is accurate. Um, however, um, it, is not, it is not outside the realm of possibility that Trump's uh, individuals in Trump's Pentagon would not tell him because there are whole books I've got on my shelf uh, about top officials in the Trump administration and various agencies, including DOD, who intentionally kept things from Trump because they were afraid of what he would do if he knew about it. So what Ron is saying is not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think you should have jumped like that. I'm not jumping on him. I'm simply saying I want to wait to the hearings, to the official documentation, and not just one story in the New York Times. You know, one source. The real real question I have is for Jonathan, actually. Um, Jonathan, I'm Barbara Honiger, and and uh, one of the things that Richard didn't mention about my background in the introduction is I earned the first ever accredited graduate degree in the world in experimental parapsychology and consciousness studies. And that was in John F. Kennedy University here in California in June of 1981. And I received my degree on the stage with Manley Hall. So my question to you is um, a, quite an informed one. I've studied OBs. I haven't done an OB. I'd like to. Um, and I'm just just so jealous of you, actually, uh, for having these phenomenal experiences in your life. I've had amazing psychic experiences of my own, um, but they're usually in the uh, in the realm of phenomenal synchronicities. Um, so my question for you is: Once you realize that OBEs are real, um, whether they're near death experiences or just part of your life, like in your case. Um, what you realize is that what we call life is an in-the-body experience instead of an out-of-body experience. So my question to you is, why do you think we have to have, or do have, whether we have to or not, in 
body experiences. Why have them at all? It's cool because when you're born in the spirit world, you're a dirty snowball. You don't know anything about love, uh, jealousy. You just you're a clean slate, and they send you to this concentrated. Uh, 3D space is very concentrated, so you come here, and it's very different than the spirit world. So when you come here, it's um, you're learning to deal with your emotions, and you're learning to control them, and uh, it, it evolves you each time you come. It you come out a little stronger, and one day eventually you graduate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, emotions, I believe, are just attached to the physical body, however. Um, so I think what you're saying is when you reincarnate and reincarnate and reincarnate. And then did you happen to hear um, one of my items is uh, these articles about children who uh, have been recently born. Uh, um, and they have memories of having been in the World Trade Center towers when they were attacked. Yeah, I, I did read that, and it reminds me of another case where this is probably 10 or 15 years ago. I can't think of the family's name, but the mom and dad, their their boy was saying, Daddy, my plane's on fire. I'm going to crash. And so they went through this whole thing. Um, the guy, t- the dad set out to prove the mom wrong. She thought it, it was reincarnation. He said, no way. So he ended up proving that, at least to himself, that it was reincarnation. And they found the pilot. It was a World War II pilot. Um, trying to think what theater he was in, but he was shot down. And they have his name and everything. So. He was shot down by the Japanese in World War II. Yeah. It was a Pacific theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing case. But um, at least one of the four cases in the article in my um, – I think it's my item number six and my item. Um, anyway, the reincarnation of children with memories of having been in the World Trade Center on 9-11. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, some of those souls will reincarnate quickly and in a follow-up time period so that they could be born a day after they perish, whereas... Some of the other souls find themselves, it, it depends on your mission and so forth, but uh, some of the other souls might be, uh, their next life might be on Mars 65 million years ago. So it's it's really a wide range. Or, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, in the future. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, um, I've, I've, I've really fallen down on the job. I was going to bring on Marvin, but I wanted to kind of close the loop on this uh, what the Chinese might be looking for with something so primitive as balloon technology. And the good news is this, uh, this wreckage is only 47 tetrahedral feet below the waves. It's uh, scattered over something like seven square miles, I believe, because as this thing fell, people don't realize if you fall in free fall, and the, when you look at the video from Fox, the shot was so precise, they cut the cable between the balloon and the instrument package, which was the size of, you know, three Greyhound buses hanging below. And the instrument package then fell free. The explosion ripped apart the balloon. The balloon fell separately. 
and you can see as it's falling, pieces are flying off because it falls faster and faster, and ultimately probably hit the water going five, six hundred miles an hour, because uh, that's the speed at which airliners have hit the water in a vertical dive. And thank goodness it's water, because it would have cushioned the impact somewhat. On land, you'd have nothing but a crater. Well, there is some chance we will get some of the instrumentation back and the forensics at Quantico and the other laboratories, because this is a multi-agency you know, kind of cooperation, will be able to do a tremendous forensic reconstruction of the kinds of technology on this. But again, the fact that both administrations just let these things fly over tells me that our guys wanted to learn much more about what they were up to than that they were afraid of what they would find out because basically, unless they've introduced an extraordinary new, you know, torsion technology, there isn't much that they could find out even on those low level, comparatively speaking, flights that isn't already on the public record, like where the missile silos are, et cetera, et cetera. So okay, um, you're going to introduce Marvin, remember? Yeah, I'm going to introduce him after the bottom of the hour because it's not really fair oh. to truncate this. So let's segue into the Bean campaign vis-a-vis what's going on in the moon, because I think if the Chinese are doing part of this as a big public kind of demonstration, to send a balloon over that looks like a full moon with technology, obviously high-tech, dangling beneath it, which metaphorically says full moon technology, I find kind of elegant. So talk about what we're trying to do to raise funds to continue our own research in these directions, including helping um, John uh, penetrate the secrets of Archer's Park with some kind of, uh, you know, facilities, manpower, drones, and maybe Accutrons, et cetera. Hmm. So you're talking to me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if people can go to my barber's um, third item. Um, so my items are under Richard's items on the show page. <clears throat> you will see, if you click on it, I believe, let's see. Uh, yes, yes. If you click on the poster, or it's not a poster, it's a, it's a high-quality print. Uh, if you click on that, <clears throat> you will see this wonderful um, high-quality print of a painting. It's not a painting. It's a high-quality print. Of his painting. I'm sorry, what? Obvious painting. Yes, I just said. A high-quality print of a painting, um, a very wonderful painting called Reaching for the Stars by Alan Bean, who, of course, was the artist-astronaut in um, Apollo 4, Apollo, uh, 4, wasn't it? No, Apollo uh, 14. No, 12. No, 12. <laughs> he was a lunar module pilot on Apollo 12. That's right, Apollo Apollo 12. Um, so, so anyway... Um, uh, the, the quote by Alan Bean is under uh, the thumbnail of the painting, and um, it's a really good size. It's um, 34 inches, which is almost three feet by over two feet, um, and that's the that's the painting part. And then it's matted um, with the white background, and those are actual signatures of 23 or 24 astronauts. 24. Uh, 24 astronauts. Well, Alan Bean is one of the astronauts, the artist and 23 others, I believe. And they are listed um, at the bottom of my item number, what was it, three? 
Um, and what's important about this <clears throat> is um, we are um, here in the uh, the other side of midnight. If you go to the home page, which is not the show page, but the main home page, and scroll down just a little bit, you will see um, the publicity for the fundraising campaign for the other side of midnight. So what we are asking people to do, we're, we're not saying that this print, even with all of these signatures, is worth $100,000. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is Richard has established a goal of $100,000, and we're asking people to donate as much as they can simply because you want to, support Richard's goal and the goals of the other side of midnight and Richard's crew family. Okay. So if you donate at all, once the goal is achieved, then Richard could adjust the goal over time. That's up to him. But right now that's the goal, $100,000. Once the goal is achieved, if you go to the homepage, you will see that whoever has donated the most will also as Grady received the print. Okay, we are at the bottom of the hour, Barbara. Hold it there, please. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have uh, Marvin Jones, our civilian historian, talk about the next practical problem in terms of forecasting what will happen or could happen in 2023, which is this whole very confusing debt ceiling crisis and an homage to maybe the Chinese hidden agenda and Barbara's gracious Alan Bean campaign. Here's Pink Floyd and the dark side of the moon. The other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com.
And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, February 5th, 2023. Our next guest is Marvin Jones. Marvin is a uh, self-styled citizen historian. And um, he had two family members who were great influence in his life. His great aunt, who was born in 1882, told him about King David and King Solomon. She also taught him about the presidents. His mother offered encouragement all those years regarding his studies, and she made it clear that leaders make a difference. Both taught him about the Holocaust while still in single digits. Marvin's fourth and fifth grade teachers made history come alive for him, and he helped teachers, or rather students, understand how to look at things like those who were there. Then President Kennedy offered a history lesson in real time for Marvin as he was growing up. He watched those press conferences held in the uh, State Department uh, auditorium, State of the Union addresses and other speeches. But his decision to go to the moon on the basis of 15 minutes worth of spaceflight experience with Alan Shepard, that's what really captured his imagination. In fact, uh, he says in his own words, it still does. So, Marvin, um, welcome back to the other side of midnight. Uh, are you there? Excellent, excellent. I'm having a bit of a problem with these switches. Ah, go ahead. You know, I'm having a small issue with this board. So, okay. there you are. There you are. Okay. okay. A- anyway, um, from what from my reading of this whole debt limit thing it's kind of like a um what's the world what word i'm looking for it's a tempest in a teapot that isn't even legally real because there is a line in the constitution that the that the full face and credit of the united states shall not be abridged period and it would seem to me that that would supersede even this silly law because we have so many checks and balances you know there's appropriations i'm sorry there's authorization bills then there's appropriation bills then there are Mm -hmm. votes in the in the congress both houses then you have to have a signing by the president otherwise it goes to a pocket veto and then the veto has to be overridden by a very large percentage of both houses houses. two-thirds and so why did this debt ceiling idiocy which is another check and balance when you already paid you've already bought the stuff on the credit card if you don't pay your credit card you wind up really you know crashing in this case now the world economy and so why is there this supernumerary final you know area where a certain group that do not have you know good intentions can basically hold not just the government of the united states and the people of the united states but the entire planet hostage. It's crazy. I agree. And Richard, I've gotten to the point where I get very irritated with the self-style, quote, mainstream, unquote, press, because this is constantly talked about in terms of uh, tactics and procedure, as opposed to stepping back 
and, and just looking at, at history, right? The United States of America never even had a debt ceiling until the Second Liberty Bond Act of 1917. And I have referred to it uh, in, I don't know, two, three, four articles now as the technicality of technicalities and of dubious constitutionality. And my reason for saying that goes back to uh, something that is in Article uh, 6, Clause 1, which states, all debts contracted and engagements entered into before the adoption of this Constitution shall be as valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation. Right? Now, I know a lot of people have been referring to uh, uh, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, which, uh, from my point of view, is just a, a reaffirmation of Article uh, 6, Clause 1. Uh, the relevant portion of uh, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law shall not be questioned. And just to go back to the uh, time of the framers when all of this got started, uh, James uh, Madison uh, dismissed, and I'm quoting him now, the pretended doctrine that a change in the political form of civil society has the magical effect of dissolving its moral obligations. That's from the Federalist Papers, number uh, 43. Then we also have what uh, Alexander Hamilton, the first treasurer, secretary of the treasurer, uh, did. He actually gave force and effect to Article 6, Clause 1. And what he, the total impact of his report on uh, public credit, it established the good faith of the United States and what these people are talking about now is saying, oh, specifically these people, I'm referring to the House Republicans, they are saying, oh, let's take all of this hard work by the Washington administration, which today has made the dollar the reserve currency of the world. Oh, let's just take all of that and just throw it in the trash can. Consequences be uh, darn, I do not want to get you in trouble with the FCC. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Richard uh, Gephardt, when he was the Speaker of the House uh, uh, some time ago, he, he just had the Gephardt rule, which simply stated that once we pass a, 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 a budget, it, we, we've already uh, 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 essentially uh, uh, past the uh, uh, the debt ceiling. Yeah, you look, you've appropriated have. the money. You, right. You, <laughs> right. You authorize it to be spent. It gets spent, and then you got to pay the card. Right. 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 And I, again, I'm getting. Uh, not getting. I am very irritated with the again uh, quote mainstream unquote press because see, again mainstream to me means you deal with facts, not not. Not speculation. You, you deal with facts, and it just it just really gets to me 
that, uh, again, this is just talked about it in terms of uh, uh, tactics and, and so on, and not enough attention is uh, uh, paid to just, no, let's go back and, and look at history. What was the whole point of these actions taken by the people who got this started? Can I well, ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead, Barbara, please. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I was in the Reagan White House in the West Wing when the government was shut down so <laughs> for about a week. So uh-huh. I've experienced the effects of Republican shenanigans. This is not the first time the threat. Oh, no. You know, not not at all. Um and my question to you is um are you aware of any member of Congress or members of Congress on the Democratic side, it would be of course, uh in this case. Uh, who are preparing a lawsuit to go directly on an emergency basis to the Supreme Court, citing the very constitutional provisions that you're citing? Uh, No, I have been more focused on uh, things that can just nip all of this in the the bud, because unfortunately we have a Supreme Court. There is no telling how they might rule just to be in lockstep with the Republicans. I I say that, with a, a, a heavy heart, to use one of Lyndon Johnson's well, uh, yeah, uh, favorite phrases. A heavy floating heart. Um, right. But, you know, as they say, the law is what the law in the Constitution is what the Supreme Court says it is, unfortunately. But that is the system we have so far. I actually think that if it got to the Supreme Court, this is a originalist, literalist Supreme Court. And the Constitution is very explicit. Mm-hmm. Certainly in this area. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. I think it's called in the vernacular black letter law. But look mm-hmm. at how the Republicans finagled, you know, getting at Trump's taxes through the appropriate committee in Congress for years, even though it was black letter law. And how many court decisions had to go down before finally, grudgingly, you know, despairingly, he gave out his, 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 his accountants gave out with his, you know, just normal IRS tax returns when it says in the law, the chairman of the appropriate committee has access to anybody's tax return, period. Well, it's right. on the other side yeah. of the coin. It was the Supreme Court that said, thou shalt turn them over. But Finally. that was as a final, ultimate end of the, what, four years of delay, yes. delay, and, delay. So yes, I am with... I am with I, that's the reason I asked if there was a planning at least happening for an emergency filing with the Supreme Court because you can do that. Well, you just went through that experience. No, ours was not emergency. We went through five years of hell to get there. Oh my, no, I thought it was much quicker. quicker. Okay, sorry. You can go straight my. to the Supreme Court. And that has happened before. So Marvin, you're not aware of anyone in the Congress or the administration which also could do it. And I believe yeah. – go ahead. No, no I, I have been focused on just let, – let's just kill this thing once, once and for all. Now, oh, okay, this, so, how, is, so how do we do that? What is the Marvin oh, prescription for getting us out of the trap? Okay, this is mine. This, this is a, 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 my most recent – from my most recent article. But, again, I, I do – best I can look at this as an historian, right? 
And the, the Constitution, as you, as you know, says that the president from time to time uh, uh, shall give uh, information to the Congress uh, of the State of the Union. He is scheduled to do, uh, do that on Tuesday evening. Tuesday night. It's coming right? Tuesday night. Yep. Mm-hmm. So from my point, my point of view, my, my studies, President Biden, when he has everybody's attention, because everyone is, is there, House and Senate, in the, uh, seated in the, in the House of Representatives. And right? the Supreme Court. Thank you, Barbara. Amen. <laughs> and the Supreme Court. Amen. Yeah. Right? He should make it clear to them. He's, uh, and I see this as a, a last resort and announce that pursuant to Article 6, Clause 1 and Section 4 of the uh, uh, 14th Amendment uh, and, and pursuance of his, his duty, his constitutional duty to, and I'm quoting Constitution, to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Ah. And the Constitution is the first law because it is the supreme law of the land. Along with treaties. Right. Along with treaties. Mm-hmm. So the supreme law of the land, and just simply state that he will raise the debt ceiling. Furthermore, directly at, at, at the court, and he should, he should paraphrase <laughs> President Andrew Jackson and say, if the, the, if the I've, I've taken to calling them the imperial court, but he should look directly at the Chief Justice of the United States and say that should they uh, make a, a decision to supposedly overrule him, just simply state, uh, again, paraphrasing President Andrew Jackson, Mr. Roberts, you have made your decision. Now go and enforce it. Huh, yes, right? of course. Yeah, right. Now, now, see, I know that some people would consider, oh, my God, that is just absolutely out- outrageous. No, 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 no. Let, let, there, there is the Marvin, Marvin, the Marvin. There is precedent for this in the history mm-hmm. of the United States. Look mm-hmm. at look at Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right, and Lincoln, and you set that up perfectly, uh, uh, Richard, because when Lincoln took action, once the once the uh, Confederates fired on Fort Sumter, Lincoln said, "That is it. Talking time is over." He took immediate action. Right. He increased the strength of the uh, armed forces and he, he took money out of the Treasury, which had not been appropriated. Of course, he, he reported to Congress subsequently about what he did and why. So it wasn't just, uh, oh, I'm going to take all this money and give it to my best buddies. No, he was acting on the basis of prerogative. This, this goes back to John Locke, the second treatise of civil government. And I'm quoting Locke now. Prerogative is nothing but the power of doing public good without a rule, right? Mm. John Locke's influence on, on, on the founders were, uh, was, was very great. That, that's just well known by all historians, right? And specifically, following up on Locke, this is, this is what Alexander Hamilton said in the Fellows Papers, uh, number 70. Energy in the executive is a leading character in the definition of good government. And Hamilton then uh, went on to note that uh, if that fails, there are consequences. Again, quoting Hamilton, 
a feeble executive implies a feeble execution of the government. A feeble execution is but another phrase for a bad execution. And a government ill-executed, whatever it may be in practice, whatever it may be in theory, must be in practice a bad government, right? Now, that idea has been something that has been restated throughout American history uh, by uh, our better uh, uh, presidents. Um, let me give you a, a couple examples here. Uh, d- during the uh, 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 well, I'll, I'll just skip over that. Let, let me just let me just go to uh, two of our better presidents, right? Uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, he was the second best uh, Republican president in, in history. He said, fine, to adopt the view that what was imperatively necessary for the nation could not be done by the president unless he could find some specific authorization to do it. My belief was that it was not only his right, but his duty to do anything that the needs of the nation demand, unless such an action was forbidden by the Constitution or by the laws. Now, again, that touches upon what Locke said about prerogative. And it also touches upon something that took place during the uh, debate over Washington's uh, proclamation of uh, neutrality, uh, which goes back to the uh, uh, pacificist and uh, Hilvidius letters of pacifists taking uh, the Washington position. Pacifist was was Alexander Hamilton. They were using uh, uh, what they call what they call those uh, names. Uh, anyway, whatever it is, which is why he writes in a, in a, a pen, pen name. Yeah. And Helvidius was um, uh, James Madison, right? What was fascinating in one of the exchanges between the two of them, Hamilton noted that the significance of the difference in phrasing in Article One and Article Two, all right? Article 1, which, of course, deals with the, uh, the uh, Congress, the legislative branch, it says all legislative power herein granted, right? Very specific. Right. But very first sentence in Article 2, uh, Article 2, Section 1, it says the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. You see, see, because going back to uh, the second treatise on civil government by, by John Locke, he goes into this long description of no one is wise enough to make a law that can foresee every possible thing that might happen, no matter how wise the legislators are. There are going to be times where the executive is going to have to take action to the, uh, defend the nation. And again, this has been consistent from the, the very beginning, and then you have it with uh, Theodore Roosevelt and uh, uh, JFK. He gave a uh, speech, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe three or four weeks after he 
declared his candidacy for the presidency, and he, his, his speech was specifically about uh, he, he felt that the public should know candidate view the office, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he noted that sometimes a president must use the full powers of the office, and I'm quoting him now, all that are specified and some that are not. And you see this resonance with Locke. Well, this goes back to this whole founding father discussion in the Federalist Papers that the foundation of the United States of America is ultimately based on the character and virtue of the governing Mm -hmm. and the governed. And this supersedes Mm -hmm. the letter of the law because it's more to the spirit of the law. And one cannot imagine the founders envisioning a scenario where McCarthy and these radical Republicans can hold the United States of America hostage in front of the entire world and plunge the planet into the greatest economic crisis since probably the Great Depression, if not worse, because of the interconnectivity of all governments and all economies in the 21st century. So I would argue, Marvin, that in addition to your your stated uh, abilities of, of Biden to simply announce in conformance with the Constitution, he is executing the raise of the limit. It also falls under his powers as commander-in-chief because it's a supremely national security problem. If we mm-hmm. default, it weakens the United States far more than Putin or President Ping mm-hmm. or North mm-hmm. Korea or anybody, in other words, it's a fatal, mortal stake in the heart of the nation. Therefore, mm-hmm. the president cannot allow this mm-hmm. default to take place. To be like Harry Carey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suicide. Right, right. right. And, and, and see, what else is interesting about this is this, this ties in with some of these very same House Republicans that are so gung-ho uh, on on holding the, the uh, economy hostage, they were the, some of the very same ones that did not want to certify the election, right? And they they wanted to keep the guy that I have been referring to from the very beginning as the chief trader at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> I was just going to raise the specter. It looks to me like we're seeing a real demarcation between patriots and mm-hmm. fifth columnist treason pretenders who basically want to kill the United States of America from within. Remember, Lincoln said, if we ever fell, remember that speech? Mm-hmm. It would be oh, from yes. within. Yes, yes. Well, you have to understand that the MAGA insane base the Trump inflames on purpose They are basically theocrats. They want to do, they want to create a a so-called Christian, but I I spell that with a KKK at the front, Christian with a KKK. They want to to have a Christian theocracy in the United States of, of America. That's what they're about. They don't give a damn about the Constitution, despite what they say, except for the Second Amendment. Hmm. And even that, of course, the Second Amendment, they, they lie about that. Yes. 
They're not consistent yeah. about. I mean, does everybody have a right to have a, uh, you know, a Thor missile in their backyard? No. <laughs> every, you know, I mean, does does the government have a right? Do state governments and federal governments and local governments, city governments, have a right to regulate the arms that people can carry and use? Of course. And you you start from the Thor missile in your backyard or in your pocket, and then you go down. I mean, it's it's a question of what each jurisdiction uh, is willing to do dem- to decide democratically. It should be. And, and uh, just to to, to uh, touch on on, on this uh, point just a little bit before we get to the main thing. See this 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 whole business. Yeah, we got uh, about a minute uh, till till the break, so. Uh, think about wrapping up for this time okay I was just going to say the most famous gunfight in American history was a shootout at OK Corral there were things that led up to it but the immediate cause of the gunfight at the OK Corral was that the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday were enforcing the gun control law in town against the, uh, the, the Clanton gang the Cowboys the Clanton gang yeah, I'm, I'm related to Doc Holliday, by the way. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> hey guys, why don't you hold it there? We're at the uh, uh, where are we? Top, bottom of the hour. We're at the top of the hour, uh, about to enter into the uh, midnight witching hour here in the land of enchantment. My guests this morning so far, uh, we've had uh, Barbara Honiger, Marvin Jones just gave a very eloquent uh, constitutional firmly based, at least in my opinion, but I'm not an expert. So um, if anybody's got the ear of, uh, of uh, uh, Joe Biden, you know, you might want to refer him to this section of the other side of midnight because in full faith and credit defense, he can stand up there on Tuesday night and basically tell these yahoos, go pound sand. We are not defaulting by my action as the chief executive under the Constitution. Now we're going to see what happens. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We're trying to forecast what could happen in 2023. Is it interesting enough for you so far? Well, stay tuned because we have coming on Andrew and Ruggiero and Georgia Lambert, more of our extended, far-flung, and very outside-the-box enterprise family. We shall return. Midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and nonlinearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. 
join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, on this uh, Sunday night, Monday morning now in the Land of Enchantment here in uh, the northern deserts, 6,500 feet above sea level on the slopes of the extraordinary and incredibly photogenic Sandia Mountains. Oh, and I did forget in my little peroration before the break that we've got Robert Morningstar kind of waiting in the wings. Uh, Robert, are you with us? Mr. Morningstar. Yes, I'm here. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Okay. Before Georgia and Andrew and Ruggiero, why don't we, because uh, I have a feeling you have some interesting things to say, uh, not the least of which is about the uh, Cuban balloon, uh, Cuban, Chinese yes, balloon. Yes, Cuban balloon. Actually, you said the right thing. I think well, they were it might be, Cuba. you know, there might be Cuba, you know, remember there's the whole Belt and Road thing, which China yeah, has but, been. You know, I was watching the past. And I was saying to myself, it looks to me like they're trying to steer this thing to Cuba. So I think you you may have misspoken, but you may have been remote viewing. I was just going to say, it's my remote viewing. You know, I'm going to have to sign on to Lori's course because Cuba yeah, made should. it sound so interesting. Well, maybe you know, I do have talents in that direction. Who knows, you know? Well, you know, a lot of people are intuitively remote viewers and they don't know they're doing it. You know, they, well, they, you know people think they're psychics and they don't really know it. I know a lot of people like that. <clears throat> anyway, I'd like to comment on the Second Amendment. And most of the people who argue against the Second Amendment um, or the the right to the Second Amendment, the what, right whoa, to whoa, whoa, What does that have to do the with right the, to what, what does, Robert, what does that have to do with the debt ceiling? I'm not talking about the debt ceiling. I'm responding to what you and your previous guests have said about the Second Amendment. No, we're talking saying, about the Fourth Amendment and the Sixth having nothing to do with the second. This has nothing to do with rights to bear arms. It has to do with well, full-facing credit of the United States paying our bills. No. Well, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what your guest just said, your um, your historian friend from Massachusetts, I think. I Marvin. We haven't met. Marvin, yes, Marvin. Marvin spoke about the Second Amendment, and Barbara spoke about the Second Amendment, and I say that people who argue against the right to bear military arms don't know how to spell because the Second Amendment specifically says the right to bear arms in order to maintain a militia. Militia is spelled M-I-L-I-T-I-A. And military is spelled M-I-L-I-T-I-A-R. <laughs> Why? Okay. I'm not quite sure where the argument is, because none of us are arguing that, you know, the Second Amendment is not authorized under the right of, you know, state militias. It's the yeah, it's the individual it's the individual part to own an Abrams tank 
where we park company. Don't, don't confuse it with the National Guard. A militia is a self-organized group of individuals who get together, like the people at Concord Bridge. They weren't uh, the National Guard. They just knew that the enemy was coming. Okay, so we can leave that aside. But I came here to talk about the future, not about the budget. Good. Well, no, 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 no. The budget is the future. It's the biggest yeah, roadblock on the road the between March yeah, and June. How the nation lock, stock, and barrel to enslave the children and the grandchildren. Okay? And all of it to feed a madman and a crazy scheme to destroy Europe. It's actually, that's what's happening. And I'm glad that Barbara earlier in the program talked about the Zionist Zelensky. And people have to understand that Zionism and Judaism are not the same thing. Zionists, in fact, are hardcore atheist, materialist, fascist, communists. Avi Stern, Avram Stern, who is the leader of Lehi and the Stern Gang, terrorist groups in uh, Palestine when the British mandate was was, uh, ruling, he wrote to Stalin asking for aid military aid for his movement to throw out the British because his vision was to establish a communist fascist government in Israel, the future Israel, when they won it. Zionists have hijacked Judaism. Jews are afraid to speak out because they are very coercive. I had the privilege of knowing and being a friend to Barry Shamish. Barry Shamish loved Judaism, loved the Jewish people, and he loved Israel. And he was adamantly against labor Zionism, which is just another word for fascism and communism. When Menachem Begin came to the United States in 1952, Albert Einstein and 25 other prominent Jewish scientists signed a letter to President Truman not to meet with Menachem Begin because of the massacres that he had conducted against the Palestinians. He was so bloodthirsty that he went in and wiped out an entire village and then mounted the bodies on jeeps and then processed them to Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. The war in Ukraine is a Zionist war. Correct. Thank you, Barbara. A lot of people are afraid to voice this, but and Zelensky, as far as I'm concerned, he's fulfilling one of the prophecies of, of the, as I said a couple of years ago, for a couple of years, I've seen what's been going on. The World Economic Forum, the New World Order, the neocons have seized upon the end times prophecies of all religions and are trying to force them by theatrics, global theatrics. They're stage managing the fulfillment of prophecies. And what they have done now, they have loosed the four horsemen of the apocalypse upon the world. War, plague, famine, and death. And they've been doing it for a long time, the most important. Yes, Barbara. You and I see eye to eye on that, even though we are at odds on on political parties. But the fact is, this is not a political party fight. There is only one party in Washington. These people get bought in or coerced, and they become part of another. uh, The French word is called is eminence grise the gray presence. There's someone pulling strings in the background. I agree with you completely. Don't, don't, you. don't assume my politics. I ran for Congress 
twice as an independent. I know, but you call MAGA people crazy. Okay, can we kind of bring this into focus, Robert? We're trying to talk about what could happen in 2023. And, you know, given the prophecy is an incredibly uh, dismal science, Mm -hmm. where are we going with Ukraine? What are you seeing as the outcomes of the current trend? Well, Ukraine has no chance of winning, no matter what, how, how many weapons NATO pours into it. Uh, it's all um, the Wizard of Oz has, is in control of the mass media from CNN to MSNBC to Fox News. And they've been pre- painting a very rosy picture of Ukraine's chances of overcoming Russia. Look, the Nazis couldn't beat Russia and Napoleon couldn't beat Russia and Ukraine and NATO are not going to beat Russia. Now, I've included in my... Um, my items there, I said the devil speaks because I think that, I believe that he is truly diabolical. Zelensky is a totally crazed comic stooge. He is a total cocaine addict. His brain ain't working right. And he has been calling for U.S. to conduct preemptive nuclear strikes on Russia for the last couple of months. And only Tucker Carlson had the guts to put it on and let people know. So I've included there his latest rant on calling on the U.S. and NATO to conduct preemptive nuclear strikes on Russia. That is insane. Okay? He's insane. Well, we, the world is being run by a lot of insane people, from Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab to right. Zelensky and whoever controls Biden in Washington. This yes. thing has been engineered. Okay, and uh, you have no numbers attached to your item, so it's... It's very hard to go and look. Uh, well, it just says what it says. It says the Yeah, but we need numbers, Rob, Robert. You got to follow the formula, otherwise no one can find it. I can't find what you're what you're saying. Which one am I looking for? Four well, horsemen of the apocalypse. Zelensky's, well, that's the general title. Okay, this and says Zelensky calls again for preemptive. Is that the one at? That's at, the one about. Is his that speech, the one at yeah. Gab? Okay. That's from Gab. Okay. Right. Now, why, why do we believe this is a credible source? Well, because I have the videos looking and seeing him saying it, okay? It's do a you, video of him saying it. Do you have the video in Ukrainian as opposed to a translation? The video is in Ukrainian, and people who understand Ukrainian translated it. And you have talked to those people? Yes, I know a lot of Ukrainians and a lot of Russians. I don't know how many you know in New Mexico. And I'm very sad because I, I hold my Ukrainian friends and my Russian friends very dear to me. I have had friends, I had had a roommate from Russia for 20 years and a, law, a large circle of Russian friends, as well as Ukrainian friends. My best friend in, in the 1980s was Ukrainian. He and his brother were very close to me. Sadly, he lost his mind due to cocaine. And that was one of the great trage- tragedies of my life. Okay. So I do know Ukrainians and I do know Russians and I know that this translation is So I'm 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 uh, just pretend that I'm really dumb about all this. If Zelensky okay. is on video calling for the US to conduct a preemptive nuclear strike on Russia, given that the planet is extraordinarily big and diverse, don't you think other nations would be a little upset given that they would obviously also die in World War 3? Why is this the only story? People of other nations reporting People this. of other nations would be, but they're not being told this. In the United States, the, the only internet per- goes everywhere. 
if you can find this, why can't they? Why haven't they? Because they're not looking. They're distracted by Chinese balloons in the sky. Oh, come on. Okay. Just watch the video. Just watch the video. But yeah, but we live in an era. We live in an era where you can fake anything. You know the concept of well, deep fake. People believe what they want to if, believe. If this is Russian propaganda, given the Russian expertise in cyber warfare, how do we know this is not a very sophisticated deep fake? Because four of these videos have been released. He has been talking to the Ukrainian people in this manner. Tucker Carlson had it. He's the only one with the courage. to. So why can't somebody go to Ukraine and talk to men on the street and women and see, did you hear Zelensky because say this? Because there is no freedom of speech in Ukraine. Ukraine is not a democracy. Well, that's an assertion. Ukraine is a total fascist Nazi that, dictatorship. That's an assertion on your part, okay. It's not an assertion. It's a fact. Ukraine is crawling all. with third world, fourth world, fifth world, and social media, and everybody's talking to anybody who'll put a camera in their face. They're all under the gun. That's your assumption. Zelensky, Zelensky has been persecuting free speech. You are, you, are, you are not allowed to speak Russian in Ukraine. People who speak Ukrainian with a Russian accent are chased down the street, battered, beaten. Richard, you live a very isolated life in New York. <laughs> yes, I'm very isolated. I don't have and any I'm in the center internet. Of the world. I never watch Fox, and I never listen yeah, to Yeah, don't, until it's, a pro, it's, it's to your convenience to find something to, to rant about. But let's talk about the distraction of this Chinese balloon. That was an act of war. It was intentional. It was steered. Now, why would they put up a balloon? Every time... A U.S. radar, American defense radar, uh, targeted that thing. The Chinese were picking up that frequency and transmitting it back to China. And having that frequency, they know what frequencies they need to jam the next time. Okay? People, you were saying that it was... Wait, wait, you don't think they already know all this? You said a couple of days ago you wouldn't believe anything, even if the Chinese say it's theirs. I didn't say that. I said I am that. suspicious of that, all facile explanations. You wrote that to me in an email, Richard, and I responded to I you. I would much more think that it would be North Korea than it would be China. But I know now, you did, but you're, you're but always now, but now, But now that we have a historical record going yeah. back through the Trump administration and documentation of this happening over and over again, and we're not responding – Given that the Pentagon is not staffed by dumb people, I believe. Oh, it is. I, but that's your assumption. It's staffed by the dumbest people you, that have ever you had, the Pentagon. You, you, and, and these guys were appointed by Trump. So if they stood down, no, 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 and no, our no. guys stood down. Lloyd Austin, Lloyd Austin was not appointed by Trump. We're Anthony talking about the State Defense Department. Department. We're Trump. talking about the Defense Department under the Trump administration. Billy. Or did you not get the memo that this happened, this incursion? by Chinese balloons three times during the Trump years when he appointed the Secretary of Defense, his guy. They didn't tell us that then, and I'm not sure I believe it now. Well, that's why, we, that's why, that's Richard, why, Richard, fortunately, you, why can I, I, Robert, Robert, Robert please, please. That's why it's very fortunate that we have a Republican House, which has set up that's a specific right. committee, which is going that's to hold right. hearings and the truth will come out in those 
hearing. Isn't I would that like to say to Marvin, wisdom? contrary to his assertion that this is not what the Founding Fathers had in mind, I say it is exactly what the Founding Fathers had in mind when they instituted a system of checks and balances. This is precisely what they wanted. They wanted each house or each branch of the government to oversee the other, and if they got out of control, to check them. Marvin, your, your, name, has, your them, name has been brought up, so I presume yeah. you uh, have a response. And Ron, I hear you in the background. I'll give you a space yeah. in a couple of minutes. Hang on, hang on. Marvin first, then you. Marvin. Hmm. Well, for the audience, was just repeating what what I just said. Yes, our our Constitution set up a system of checks and balances, but the framers, this whole business about about defaulting on a debt, is a phony debate. The debate. The so-called debate was settled in the beginning of the republic. That is just not something that should even be remotely considered by uh, by by the press. Marvin, I agree with you, and that's why I don't want to waste any airtime on that. It's a it's a subtopic. I am here to talk about current events and the near future. Okay, hang on, okay, hang, on hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not I, here to I, talk about I, the budget. Yeah, but the budget is going to kill the whole country and the planet if we don't solve it. The debt yeah, ceiling, well, the debt the ceiling, economy, the debt ceiling is a enslaving future generations. The debt ceiling to pay is a dagger in Ukraine that didn't have to happen. All right, even the Pope, whom I despise as a heretic, had to tell the truth. And he did it in a little poem, in a little ditty. He said, NATO caused this war by barking at Putin's door. Well, I and totally, I totally disagree with that. So let's give Ron I some airtime. Ron? I don't care what you Oh, yes, you, 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 you're on you my show. It. You will care. I know I'm okay? on your show. Yeah. But you should. I never, I never tell anyone who proposes an argument that I don't care. I, I, I think your lack of respect is very clear. I'm sorry. I apologize. I you sincerely apo- apologize. Apologize accepted. Ron, please. Okay. Uh, I, just want, I just want to say this is sounding like propaganda con. You know, you're by, it's, uh, you, the positions are not factual items. They may or may not be true and on either side. Okay. I don't, th- I don't think Robert's been out of line. It's a, a counterpoint is always a good thing. But – uh, for one salient moment, the uh, founding fathers, which you're now discussing, discussing uh, didn't set the system up for political parties. They were more in the uh, – they were not like these. And what has happened is that the party system has taken over from the constitutionally mandated structure. They mimic parts of it. But as we all apparently at least agree on the fact that there's only there a monolithic force behind the scenes. There's tiers and tiers of it. There's a layer where somebody's in charge and we don't know who that is. But it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican. Whoever is typing, please mute. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah. Well, I I didn't mind, mind the typing as much as some of the other things. But uh, no, just again, just providing information. I mean, I think that's important. The argument over the uh, Second Amendment is as simple as Robert stated it. It says, shall not be infringed. And they were talking about whatever was available at the time. 
political agenda can say that the can say that the Constitution is a living document and needs to be modified as you go along the way, which is not what it allows for. You either take it or you reject it. You don't modify it and thereby nullify it by expunging it. That's ridiculous when you think about it. Unless you amend it. Yeah, you can add add amendments. They're meant for fine-tuning or exceptional circumstances because the founders knew perfectly well there would be things that would come along, like the abolishment of slavery or even prohibition. Thanks, Ron. Uh, uh, may I ask Richard? Richard, do you think that JFK was justified in the uh, blockading Cuba and practically going to nuclear war to remove an existential threat to the United States in 1962? Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. <clears throat> well, I believe that Vladimir Putin had the same right when Biden and Obama established not 30 bioweapons labs along the border of Russia and Ukraine, but 46 as has been admitted That's to. That's a nutso a, idea. I'm sorry, Robert, but NATO was a defensive organization. It didn't put anything into, it into threatening, into threatening the Soviet Union or Russia. It was strictly and still is. And Obama, if, if we're all Biden, talking over Obama, each other, nobody can be heard. Robert, uh, Robert, if we're all talking over each other, nobody can be heard. Then you should let me talk when I have the floor. You you do interrupt. You always interrupt me. You always interject when a person is presenting a syllogism. One, two, three, four. You're saying NATO is a overt threat to Russia, and I'm saying you're categorically wrong. I agree with Robert. I agree with Robert as well. You're wrong. Well, the facts are on on my side. Show me a threatening overt act against Russia on the part of Richard. Give me an example. But if China were on the Mexican border. Give me an an example. There is is an item here. What becomes of NATO after the loss in Ukraine by Gonzalo Lira. Gonzalo Lira is a very courageous reporter who's been in Ukraine since before this event started. And he's been reporting from Kherson and the heart of this, uh, this conflict. He says that NATO is trying to inveigle us in a war in Ukraine, but the ultimate purpose of it is to amalgamate NATO, the United States, and the EU in a war against China. Pay attention to that. It's a very, very cogent argument. As far as the Department of Defense is concerned and the State Department, I call them wink and blink and a nod. Winken, that's for me, is Lloyd Austin. Blinken is his own name. And nodding out is Joe Biden. Biden is selling more strategic oil to China. He is basically defanging the military. He has forced the military to take a lethal, toxic vaccine. People are dropping dead all over the world. And that is the last item. And I urge you to pay attention to the last item, which is Greg... um, Greg Hunter's report with Dr. Eads on how many millions of people have already been stricken by the clot shot. That's what we call it. We know what it does. And Australia has announced, Australia has announced it has a 5,000% increase in all-cause mortality. 
And this all-cause mortality is across the board, the United States and Europe. And the, the Mockingbird media, which is controlled by the CIA, is keeping this out of the eyes of the world public. South Africa, Russia, and China are going to join in a joint naval exercise off the coast of South Africa. And why? Because there's something now, or another new world order called BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, uh, China, uh, and South Africa. They have formed a union against the petrodollar. The petrodollar is dying. That was the most brilliant thing that Richard Nixon ever did, I have to say. I did not admire Nixon when I was a young man, but in my later years, I've come to appreciate the genius of Richard Nixon. He saved the United States by installing the petrodollar. That has kept our economy alive. And now this is all being destroyed and it's being destroyed by intention. The World Economic Forum has told us what they want to do. The New World Order and the UN tell us what they want to do. Um, agenda uh, 2030 has been accelerated to come to 2025. They've instituted, instituted the idea of having five-minute cities. This is already being done in Europe, in England. Five-minute cities, meaning you're not going to be allowed to drive beyond a 15-minute uh, range from your house. They're trying to force everyone to buy electric cars, which don't work, which catch fire, which lose 70% of their accelerated power in a blizzard or in a cold, uh, cold snap like we've, we've suffered. You've got to open your eyes to what's being done. Oh, Joe Biden is at the heart of it. Hunter and, Biden and what is going to happen? Tonight, what is going to happen? And laptop. what, and Robert, and what is going to happen to the world currency, the reserve currency, the dollar, if we default on the debt in a couple, three months? Perfect point. Right. Robert, can I stick a, a thought in Go here? Go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. That's when all this troubles at the behest of, and there's no argument historically about this. Well, that's my so memory. Marvin, is that's what he Marvin's did? Marvin's yes. still there. Yeah, uh, at the behest of Henry Kissinger, who was yep. big on that. Uh, I have great, I have much more respect for uh, Nixon in a lot in a lot of ways. He was very good with foreign affairs. But there's yep. one thing I wanted to say that has to do with the dialogue tonight. Yep. Uh, this is the first thing anyone learns in law school. It's a pattern to follow uh, for a for an attorney. Judge, it's not my dog. He didn't bite you. And besides, you kicked him first. Okay, okay. we are at the I, guys, I know it's I know it's funny, but that's what you guys, guys are doing. Guys, we are we are at the bottom of the okay. hour. Everyone hold it please. My guest tonight, very um Lively, energetic, and uh, hopefully are uh, audible, even though we do tend to talk over each other sometimes. Here on the other side of midnight, my name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. The other side of midnight.com. Tune in to 
Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone. I'm having a switching problem, which happens here from time to time, last half hour. Let's see, uh, who had the floor when we had to part company briefly? Well, Richard, who hasn't spoken yet? Uh, We've got Andrew and Georgia and Ruggiero waiting in the wings, so I think that's an excellent idea. Georgia, you have been listening. Any thoughts uh, at a higher level than uh, we've been discussing? (laughs) Hello, everybody. Um, just a couple of things. First of all, a rather superficial observation on the whole Chinese balloon thing. You know, I'm reminded of the cartoon that I think used to be in Mad Magazine, Spy versus Spy. Do you remember that cartoon? Very well. Um, I loved it. It was, it's sort of like, you know, they spy on us, we spy on them. We know that balloons are everywhere. The, the question, and, and if you addressed this earlier when I wasn't here, uh, I apologize, but I, I find it rather curious, or perhaps not, that um, this has been going on for some time, and um, nobody's asking why is it being made public now. Well, I find it very curious that it's being made public now, just when the debate about cutting military spending comes up. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Um, the the other thing is, you know, the the subject tonight was, you know, what's ahead for 2023. I don't know what the details will be, but from the patterns that I can see, um, I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. I'm eternally optimistic that they will get better down the road, but. I think that the polarization place is going to get much worse, and it's like stretching a rubber band. Um, I think eventually something's going to break, some big event that'll snap humanity back together. Now, whether that happens this year or 2024 or 25, the longer that it takes, I think the greater the uh, snapback situation will be because there's more force behind it. But, um, you know, as Betty, Davis, as Betty Davis used to say, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> yes, hey, can I give you my insights on what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? Everybody yeah. knows that there's a Russian offensive uh, in the works. 500,000 troops have been amassed in Belarus, Western Russia, Crimea, and Putin, 20, the February 24th, is the anniversary of the first incursion, and which I believe was totally justified because the Pentagon has admitted 
that there were 46 bioweapons labs established in Ukraine by Biden and Obama through their surrogate, Hunter Biden, who has admitted that it is his laptop. After all the denial... It has nothing to do with his stupid laptop. Gosh. His stupid laptop has all the evidence. Okay, Richard? I have seen it. You have not. Now, let me go on. You have no idea what but, I've seen and what I am discounting well, because of the sources. True. You've been denying for the last year that the, the, the laptop is really his, and now he has admitted it. And Abby It's Lowe, part, it's part of the official is, is lawsuit, Robert. It's part yeah. of the official lawsuit. His lawyers claim, because of chain of custody, there is no proof it is his laptop. Anyway, moving on. That's, that's moving on. Moving on. We don't have a lot of time. It is. But it's I would like to nonsense. talk about what's going to happen. I think there's going to be a St. Valentine's Day massacre. Putin is not going to wait until the 24th. He wants to have this thing wrapped up by the 24th. He doesn't want it to go into a second year. So... St. Valentine's Day, February 14th, is my prediction that the Russian counterattack is going to happen, and they're going to wipe out Ukraine, southern Ukraine, and they are going to partition Ukraine. That's going to lead to another conflict, and I just hope NATO isn't stupid enough and Biden isn't stupid enough to go to the brink of nuclear war. All of this is setting the stage for China to make a move on Taiwan. China is hell-bent. They've got internal problems galore. They've got massive deaths because of the second wave of... Um, well, they lifted COVID. their radical COVID restrictions and people are dying literally like flies. It's, all, it's yeah. awful. It's horrible. Uh, Why they made the decision to do that that way is very suspicious. Very. Well, Richard, people were jumping out of the buildings. You know, They were committing suicide. They were being welded into their apartments, nailed shut. And their epidemiologists didn't forecast what would happen if they just suddenly lifted all controls. I know, this sounds like a deliberate depopulation policy, and maybe that's why this virus was created. Anyway, that's right. again, that's right. we don't know what we don't know. I'd like yeah. to bring on Andrew, who is a foreign observer. He's a Canadian looking at our political, you know, ups and downs and nightmares. Andrew, you've been listening to the Whole show. What are some of your thoughts? <laughs> well, Do you like being uh, thrown into the deep end of the pool? <laughs> well, Richard, you said off the, right off the bat on the show that you know this is family, and I think Georgia was talking about polarization, and we you know we see it manifesting here. But if we can't have a forum to discuss, to argue, and even if we can't find you know a resolution, if we can find some common ground to just you know be civil then we're going to be in trouble if we don't do it. So this is a good thing that we're doing. Listen, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about this balloon thing. You know, um, I'll just throw some random things in, some random thoughts I've had. Uh, tonight when um, Barbara, no, no, it was Ron, when Ron was talking about the balloons, it brought to mind for me the uh, late 19th century mysterious airship uh, Oh, phenomenon. yes, yes, in the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah, Aurora, Texas, and other places. San Francisco, the Midwest. They they look like dirigibles, but they weren't. Yeah, and, you know, it just hearkens that, not just the flying moon thingy, because if we go back to last week, see, now I'm really jumping, but if we go back to last week about what you said about Chelsea Handler, that 47 year old um, comedian, talk show host, writer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's not a stupid woman. 
she's a comedian. And I know she went on the late – was it the late, uh, late show uh, with – I forget. But anyway, anyways, um, and she started spouting off about – she didn't know the difference between a moon and a sun until she was 40. And then she gives this story about being in Africa and having her sister go, you know, do not understand. Richard, I, I, I just find that a big, you know, mm, I don't buy it. Now, misdirection? I, I, course, a misdirection. That woman is – a fool, and I mean that, Ron. Right in the classical yeah. sense. You mean this you mean the, you mean the court jester, the court jester, yeah, who can say things, ridiculous things, criticize the, the hierarchy, get the laughs, the belly laughs, and relieve. Something Ron said the other day is relieve the stress. It's like pressure valves that get released. Now that comment about the moon and the sun says to me. One thing, start looking up, folks. And this is the theme that I, look. There's we can look at it as either distraction or well. Focus. Keep in mind Roddenberry's rule. I think you're on track to something here, and I think Barbara's idea that this balloon looks so much like the full moon is part of the same shtick. I think you're on to something. Well, let's let's keep going. So. Um, recently, it was an article through some of Robert Morningstar's connections. Lovely gal, uh, and I'm saying her name wrong, Robert Pesheen. Pesh- uh, yeah, and she sent an article around about some sort of um, energy device that the Chinese now have. This is, again, around the same time as Chelsea Handler was talking about it. And in this article, it talks about they were able to create temperatures that were even hotter than the sun. And there was a very curious comment in that article saying, no, no, this isn't a fake Twitter account where the East is going to send out um, you know, <laughs> large ener- suns or large energy balls across the world. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so you know, is this in the ether, Richard? Are we kind of in a place where we're now our focus is going up? I, I told you the other day, two years ago in Super Bowl, which is going to happen next Sunday – uh, I was involved in, in doing some uh, a commercial for that, but there was a performer at halftime. Often these big sort of elaborate halftime shows and Olympic games, uh, uh, ceremonies at the beginning, et cetera, et cetera, are kind of like – I mean unless the people are just like – No, they are ritual messaging yes. platforms that reach a worldwide audience. Precisely, and two years ago – a Canadian performer from Ontario, he calls himself The Weekend, very, very talented fellow, did a performance. I think it was, was it Tampa Bay? No, uh, maybe it was Tampa Bay. But, anyways, they had him come down as sort of this dark angel. It was very creepy. But when he started to perform, he was basically performing with all of his um, uh, backup singers, and they were jumping up behind these what looked like either buildings, derelict buildings, or Gravestones and mm. rising above all this giant image of the moon. And I mean, these are oh, hard it looked like ancient image. ruins on the moon with the moon as a backdrop. Exactly. And Richard, all the, the singers and dancers and the weekend himself were wearing these weird bandages. Now, I know there's a whole history behind that with him, but I mean, think of ghosts, rap ghosts, or mummies, or, or people that have. And why would you about. wear bandages? Yeah, exactly. If you are so survivors of a catastrophe or a war. And it really had that vibe. And, you know, 
as as Robert said, there's there's a lot of indicators that somebody, some buddies are really trying to kind of guide us, steer us, corral us in a certain direction. And even Barbara herself said, hey, it was under Bush that 9-11 happened. Those were Republicans, and yet it's a Democrat you know, um, uh, uh, organization here that's basically – or at least this court system is trying to stop any truth from coming out. It's like are we looking at a uniparty? Are we looking at something that's been manifested all over the planet in so-called free nations? I don't know, but it's sure feeling strange, and in the end, who gets kicked around? Us, yeah. us, yes. and we never get to receive our legacy, or is someone hinting broadly that we should start to look up and notice? Yeah. That's- now, I'd like to bring on Ruggiero, who has a huge amount of imagery that we won't be able to get to Ruggiero, just to uh, notice at the top, but I do want to, because he focused on the moon as an artist, remember he is a, a diatrist with a brilliant you know, sketch background. He does, he does art equal, Andrew, to your interpretations, only different. He's the one who first sketched the uh, femur, so-called, in the curiosity shot from Mars. And, and Richard, he's great. He's great. Yeah, so, Ruggiero, I want you to focus on the moon because of your artistic interpretation of what we have now found and the South Koreans have confirmed. So without further ado, Ruggiero, you're on the air. Well, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Nick. Good, uh, good evening. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Ruggiero. Um, I, uh, I asked you a question last week, which you answered brilliantly, because um, I wasn't sure about the, the whole uh, physics of the color change with, um, with the moon. So we got those uh, lovely images from Boone and from uh, Bean. Sorry, my image number three. You want to go on to that one, Ian? Um, okay. And um, well, this is a are, comparison, and everybody should be yeah. leaping on this in Ruggiero's section. On the left is the Bean painting of the so-called Monet Moon, and on the right is an Artemis color image that I just lifted from the telecasts and put side by side. And if you didn't know that one was a painting and the other was a photograph, they look the same. Yeah, yeah, sure. Where did the um, photograph come from? I couldn't find it. It, it is from Orion. It is from when they were in their route home. The spacecraft had slung around the moon and was mm-hmm. traversing back toward the Earth, and it was roughly about uh, 100,000 miles out looking back toward the visible face of the moon. You can see yeah. most of the familiar seas. That bright one in the upper right is uh, uh, with, the, with the bright, the dark area with the bright ray mm-hmm. in front of it. Uh, the ray is called Proclus, and the dark area is Mare Crisium, and you can see the two other uh, Mare to the right of Crisium, uh, which are the uh, uh, final demarcation between the side of the moon that we see and the far side that we all never see from Earth. I mean, the, the first thing is, it's beautiful. You know, the colors that we're seeing are absolutely stunning. I love them. They, they, they intrigue me. And when you compare to that bean photograph, or sorry, painting, they're, they're the same. And then you, you asked me to find a few bits of evidence of uh, what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. So I went to, uh, onto the net, and I, I found um, some photos of uh, the, uh, I try and say it, it's a Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Now, this is a fantastic structure that's taken about 108 years to build, and they've still got another 40 years to build it. And inside, I unfortunately didn't go in there when I was in Barcelona, but we, we did 
walk past and have coffee and, and look at the structure. And inside, there's a beautiful, you could call it prismatic display of color, which reminded me of the similarity we're seeing, seeing on the moon. So I'd love to go in there and have a look myself. I haven't been able to yet. But I thought it would be a good point of comment for you, Richard, to, uh, to compare what's happening in the glass on the uh, Sagrada um, Cathedral and then, you know, with the, with the bean painting and the Orion imagery, if any of the audience are still, you know, not sure. Because you mentioned um, that the saturation of light by the sun on the moon in the day wouldn't be possible to see glare from Earth. Uh, oh, no, no, Earth. no. It's much – well, you see it. But it's not lighting the landscape. It's 10,000 yeah. times dimmer than full sunlight. Yeah, yeah. So I hope you like that similarity that I've, I've, I've provided here for the audience to see of why you get the prismatic reflection and what's possibly happening, happening on the moon. And I think your, your statement you open with um, about why we're getting this, this, this light, these colors, is um, worthy of investigation. And I'll put it across a bit to the team. Well, this goes back to why, the, you know, Barbara's gracious uh, gift of the uh, $2,500 um, print with those 24 original NASA astronaut signatures is so extraordinarily timed because if we can raise a modicum of money, and, you know, my big goal is like about, about 100 grand, we could do a lot with 100 grand, both on the research, on the publication side, on letting people know. We're now in touch through my friend, uh, Howard Hughes in London with one of the uh, uh, nine artist tourists that Musk is sending to orbit around the moon, uh, either by the end of this year or by the middle of 2024. And all it takes is one, and she happens to be a photographer, and we're going to tutelage her in how to see and photograph the domes from just 120 miles up. They're going to spend three days orbiting 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 so one of your colleagues Ruggiero is going to be in a position to confirm via Twitter uncensored exactly what is waiting there and I believe that the gestalt tonight is that the Chinese balloon and the discussion of Chelsea Handler and certain other efforts in the public media are kind of all moving the gestalt to focus on the moon in our history, and it could all unfold as quickly as the end of 2023. And to, to answer the question about, you know, your theme of the show tonight, can I get everyone to look at my image number eight? So basically, I won't go through everything this evening because you won't have time. Okay. Time but um. Oh wow. You know, yeah, you point. Don't say anything yet. You, you point the question as like, you know, what, what do we think is going to happen? Um, and based on kind of what we've been seeing over time. And some of the, some of the imagery we've all collected, and uh, the bits of research I've done, um, I think that there's a you know a strong possibility that maybe something will be found that is of so much significance that people will have to kind of take a look just based on the you know the, the, the four of evidence we've already got. Well, remember, in the public mind, every time NASA has made a, a pronouncement about Artemis and the Moon. What do they inevitably link to it? It's now moon Mars. The moon is a setup for going to Mars. They're connected. They're connecting them in the public mind. 
in the in the zeitgeist. You can't think moon if you're NASA without thinking Mars. So yes, it all depends on the timing. So Richard, number eight, go on. I'm looking. I'm what I'm flabbergasted. What would you, what'd you say, and Andrew? What'd you say? Meow. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It's a big uh, pussy cat. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, what do you think? Andrew? Hey, yeah. There you are. Sorry, I was on. I was on mute. Of course. <laughs> yeah. No. I it's going to be on everybody's tombstone. Sorry, I'm on mute. <laughs> I have no time to sketch it. Uh, I think me and Andrew should do a, uh, a you know, you could you know, go sketch competition. See what we come out with. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're right, Ruggiero. I think we've just pounded this thing so many times that. There's so many anomalous and, and unusual features in the stones and the and, and whatever, as Ron would say, the petrified wood on Mars, which I think he's right, um, that it's undeniable yes. at yes. this point. Yeah, and, and again, like you said, Richard, there's, there's this massive distraction. You know, there's a great scene from George A. Romero's, um, one of his later films, and it was so, sort of Hollywoodized uh, along the, 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 the zombie theme. And it was called Land of the Dead and had all these famous actors in it. But one of the things that the, the characters in that film did to distract the zombies when they were – because they had sort of walled off a part of the city and they had to go sometimes in to get supplies because they didn't have everything supplied. Well, they would fire off fireworks in the air from their motorbikes and their whatevers. And the zombies would stand around gazing at oh, you know. Oh yes, there's the distraction thing. Yes, and and so there's this weird <laughs> sense now. Yeah, Ron, there's this weird sense. I of like this. Are, yes. Are are we being distracted, or are we being pointed in the right direction, or is it a little bit of both? It's so Emily Dickinson. Yes. Tell all the truth, but okay. Here, let me tell let me let me let me add another layer. Okay, given that now they tell Mencken once in a while. You can quote Mencken. I like Mencken. Okay. Given that NASA inevitably has now linked in the public mind over and over and over again, going back to when Trump first announced he was going to try to get to the moon in his second term. That was what the 2024 thing was all about. Um, the linking of moon and Mars, moon and Mars, as soon as it becomes knowledge at the general popular level that there is incredible alien ancient et artificial stuff on the moon automatically all the stuff we've all been doing for all these decades about mars is going to suddenly become real it all will fall out of ever mcgee's closet and all of this connection all of the you know the british lion and the lion images on mars and elon being the president of mars in von braun's you know, novel and all of this is going to suddenly become much more exciting, even than a Chinese spy balloon. Richard, just briefly, last one. Look at my uh, image number nine. There's a, there's like a, it's junk, right? And it's a broken piece of. It something. sure looks artificial it, to me. It reminds me of one of the head, like roboty type heads, I think, on Battlestar Galactica. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, what I'm pointing at, I'm not saying it's, it's anything. Right. But what I'm pointing at is it's... No, that was a chuckle of agreement. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm almost here. wondering no. if that object at the top is, it looks like almost like a battered rib cage. I agree. Looks like bones. Yeah. 
So, Richard, to answer your question from the top of the show, because I know we're getting close, if I may add my two cents, because I'm sure Barbara's been quiet for a while in Georgia. My, everybody needs to, I think, say something, is that what would help us uh, begin to come together a little bit better on this planet and is exactly what you said, a framework that shows that, holy crap, we really are bigger than we ever thought we were, and we got to get to know what that is, and hey – it's like Joseph Farrell said, it's going to take many, 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 many researchers and libraries to fill in all the gaps of what our true history is. So, hey, folks, let's all get on board and get busy instead of fighting each other. Yeah. Well, I've got a... Richard, I have one more prediction. Yeah, go ahead. rather important. Joe Biden is not going to finish his term in office. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. I think that he is going to be JFK'd by the Democratic Party. Because of his insistence on running. The Democratic oh, Party is the organizing is the organizing. Well, do you have someone waiting in the wings who can take his position at the convention? Yeah, Kamala I know. Harris? His insurance yeah, policy. Kamala Harris. Harris. Get her on the show, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Kamala <laughs> okay. Harris uh, with his insurance policy, but the way things are going and I don't think that uh I think that he's revived the curse of the zero, the zero year, and uh, people are plotting his downfall right now, and not Republicans. Republicans are trying to do it through impeachment, but there is a gangster element to the Democrat Party. It is evil. It has taken it over, and he is being manipulated. Well, right, again, sense. we are in the area of opinion, just to be of clear, course. everybody. Right. But uh, I mean, I, look, this is kind of like this is kind of the show of record for you putting it on the record. That's appropriate. Sure. We'll look at this at the appropriate time, Barbara. Yeah. Well, if we're talking politics, I, I agree that I I doubt that Biden will make it to the end of his first term. Um, but the obvious person to be the candidate, unless there's something very surprising, would be Kamala Harris. I think you're underestimating her, um, but. Uh, interestingly, um, there is an article that I was going to post, and maybe I'll send it to Keith for my items, um, in today's Washington Post. The, um, the Koch Brothers Network, um, which put something like 60 to 80 billion, excuse me, million dollars or 89 million dollars or something, uh, the last time that they uh, backed a, a candidate, they, they stayed out of the primaries. Uh, in 20, 2015 to 16. Anyway, the Coke Network has just announced that they are going to not back Trump, that they're going to back alternatives to Trump and to all Trumpists running in Republican primaries to the tune of at least $100 million. Now, that's not, Barbara, that's not chicken that, feed. Yeah. Barbara, I agree that Kamala Harris hasn't been given a chance, and she's been pilloried. But she is going to be bumped out because they are grooming Gavin Newsom as the pretty boy for the uh, 2024. He's way down. He's way down in the polls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, interestingly, RFK Jr. could be a surprise candidate. I'm afraid. Who is the candidate who has the red hair? The brilliant. Oh, that's uh, yeah, they they really did a number on him when he ran for Senate. They they they, they elected Markey, uh, Joe Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. I'm Joe I'm Kennedy. looking at him as the dark horse here. Joe I Kennedy. Think I think he's finished. 
Robert, you think what about okay. booty booty judge or whatever it is? Oh, oh my God. Oh, no, that's comedy. Yeah, well, I, he's a he's a stand, he's a potential standard bearer. I mean, I won't even say anything about our dear governor here in California, except please don't vote for him. Uh, I think but, DeSantis uh, would be the Republican candidate, and I'm not sure who the Democratic candidate will be. Right, but about Kamala Harris, I thought something very uh, useful about a perspective on her was said by because she's in she has her talents. You know, but Willie Willie Brown, who was the most powerful figure in California back when uh, she was working for him, said, "Oh my God, don't let her run for anything." Uh, <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah, he's on the record about that. But uh, Willie Brown, you know, of course, is a well-known chauvinist. So, well, he's well-known. Now there you he's go. Also knowledgeable about nine eleven before it happened. Yeah, and uh, he's a poli- he's politically sharp, which shows us we got literally. I don't care about we, his personal. We life. literally have one minute till I got to go away, but it means that mm-hmm. this is going to be an open-ended conversation to be resumed uh, before we leave. I want to say tomorrow night um, we're going to not tomorrow night um, next Saturday we're doing our memorial with Armin Bolter and her brilliant work in Egyptology, outside the box thinking. Stunning revelations and uh, are assembling a very important guest list, uh, and we will announce uh, next. Uh, well, on the banners, who is going to be part of that program? Sunday night next, the twelfth uh, of uh, uh, February, we're going to be going back to the moon. We have some new data on the moon, and who knows what the South might actually have given us in time for next Sunday by then. I want to thank all my panelists tonight, uh, Barbara and Ron. I'm going to miss this now. Barbara and Ron and uh, Robert and Andrew and Ruggiero and Keith, who's been in the wings and did something really great at the top of the show. Um, who am I missing? Uh, probably somebody. Uh, uh, Marvin, Marvin Jones. Yes, yes. New member of the Enterprise family. So until next time, next Saturday and Sunday, Third star on the left, straight on till morning. 2023 will not be dull. And Robert Morningstar was there. Good night, everyone. <laughs>